to our fans. You're the best in the world. Thank you. And last but not least, to all those people that roll this team up, to all those people that criticise this team, tonight's for you. Thank you. Welcome to the Lot Pod, the Lot 17A Lead Rhinos podcast. This episode is a season review for the Rhinos, for Lead Rhinos, everything the Rhinos. We're going to review um, my guests on this podcast were Cameron, Mark and Duncan, three people that you will have heard twice before on the podcast. And now all three of them making their Patrick appearance on the podcast. I think they did some great work over the season, as did everyone on the podcast from the very first guest right through to the very last. As this is the last podcast for Lead Rhinos for the season, season's over. This is a season review. Makes sense that the podcast ends until next season. Um, so, what do we speak about on this review of the Rhino season? Well, we do just that, we review the Rhino season. We speak about Kyle Eastmond and the signing of him, signing of Zane Tavano, squad as a whole for 2021. Uh, we all shared our feelings and thoughts going into 2021, what we expected. Cameron, Mark, Duncan, they all rate the Rhinos season out of 10, share their thoughts on that. We speak about 2022 and I asked, I asked all three guests if they felt that the squad on paper for 2022 now is this the end of the transitional period that that has been spoken about quite often by the media and fans alike so I asked them all for their opinion on whether they feel the 2022 squad now because it looks so strong on paper whether it's the end of that transitional period we spoke about the 2022 shirt and we spoke about the wheelchair side and their success and the women's side and their success. And I also asked for a few questions via Twitter at Lot17A. And at the very end of the podcast, we um, we go through them and we answer all your all your questions. This is a bumper podcast. It's over two hours long. So strap yourself in, sit back, relax, and uh, enjoy the Lot Pod. Rhino's review for 2021. Begin. Well, it's now time to review everything Leeds Rhinos on the lot pod. This is a bit of a full Leeds Rhinos review. And I have three guests today, and all three of them are all making their hat trick appearances. They did a they gave some great work over the season on the podcast and uh, all three of them are back to review the season. Uh, I'll introduce Mark first. You okay, Mark? Yeah, very good. Thank you. Welcome back. Thanks for coming on. 
pleasure. Cameron, welcome back, buddy. Hat-trick appearance. I know, it's, it's an honour to make my third appearance for this lovely podcast. My heart's in it. <laughs> it is, and I thank you. And, of course, Duncan, welcome back, mate. Cheers, mate. Three hat-trick balls. You've got a ball each. Welcome back. I appreciate your work over the season. So there were no uh, better people to um, to sum up the Rhinos season. I think, just to get started, I think a good starting point, just my opinion, would be Kyle Eastmond. Um, obviously, <laughs> yeah, we laugh now. Obviously, in hindsight, one of the worst signings we've made over recent years. Over recent years, sorry. But when we did actually make that signing, Mark, what did you make of it at the time? Did you think it was a good move? Do you think it was a bad move? What did you make of it? I, I, to be honest, I was pretty positive about it. I mm. thought he was slowly 31, plenty of life left in his legs if he wanted it, if he were hungry enough. Uh, we had that show long connection from his days in St. Helens. So, you know, it'd make his transition a little bit easier. Mm. So I thought, I thought, why not? You know what I mean? Why not? What did you make of it, Cameron? I remember the day before we announced that Rob Louie were going to be out for, I think it was four months, yeah. and Jack Walker were going to be out for the season. So I was a bit devastated then. So when we announced Kyle Eastman, I thought, that's a really smart bit of business, even if he, in the long term, he's only like the third choice halfback. Mm. It's a good signing because it gives you might give you a little bit some extra because of his sidestep and his running game, but he can just cover those halves and maybe even fullback. So I was quite excited. I was excited to see him in Leicester, and hopefully I was hoping he might caught you know might upset a few Saints fans, but that never happened. Duncan, what did you make of it? It was a bit of a shot in the dark, wasn't it? It was a shot yeah. to nothing. I think that didn't quite come off, but. At least, I think fair play to Eastman. He had the uh, he could have just sat and taken the money and with his heart not in it, but he actually turned around and retired for doing that. Yeah, even whether the club called him out or not, obviously we don't know. Maybe we never will. But I agree with you. Fair play to him. You could see in the games he played it, he was miles off it, wasn't he? He was yeah. nowhere near, nowhere near. Uh, game that stands out for me was that Hull game at home when. Yeah. He was just getting the ball, and he was, he was just passing it. He didn't, I, I don't, he didn't really take it into the line and then pass it. It was as soon as he got it, he wanted rid of it. Yeah, it? yeah, he was just shipping it on. I think he must have played the ball once in a lead shirt, probably. Which <laughs> he just, he just wasn't ready for. Which is a world for, record, of course. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> he just wasn't ready for for the contacts or anything, worry. Which is a shame because that that were always his the best part of his game was his game. Yeah, I do think it would. At the time, I did, as a you've all said, I do think it were worth it. I think it were a smart deal. You know, one that if it came off would be a masterstroke, and if it didn't, so what? You know, um, not quite sure on the whole intricacies of the cap with union players, but they don't take were, cap, do they? You get fifty percent no. off, I think, of um, what yeah. he would count on the cap for the first year, and then twenty five percent off what he would count on the cap for the second year. So his first two years... Got, yeah, if we'd have got two years out of him, if it'd have been half decent. Yeah, because he'd signed a two-year deal as well, hadn't he? So mm-hmm. in his, in those two years, he was set to never... His, he wouldn't have counted completely on the cap. He were always getting some leeway on him. So, so even though in hindsight now it didn't work at the time, even 
like on Twitter, a lot of people were, were laughing at the signing and we got a lot, of, a lot of shit for it, to be honest. But I didn't get that. I thought, well, I, I always sum signings up. I don't know about you, but I always sum signings up by thinking, if someone else signed him, signed that player, would I be thinking we should have made that signing? Does that make sense? Mm, yeah. And I think if someone yeah. took a punt on Eastman, personally, I'd have been thinking we should have took a punt on him. Yeah. I think yeah, at the time, at the time as well, it was right timing for him. And like Cameron said, Louis was Louis just been announced that he was out four months. I totally forgot. Jack Walker that. was missing. I totally forgot that. Yeah. That Jack really Walker was missing for the year, yeah. so I think it was not desperation, but it was just right timing for both parties. One yeah. of just didn't it was smart. It was the smart decision. You 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 were lacking halves. We didn't we didn't know if Gale were going to be fit, did we? Because he'd just done his pack. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We didn't know if he were going to be start for uh, fit for start of the season, so it, it made sense. And I think Agar said later they were expecting Eastman to be able to play that season opener against Wakefield, mm-hmm. but it soon became apparent that he wasn't going to play it, and he wasn't yeah. going to play any time soon. Yeah. It, it, it makes you think. It begs the question: I don't. Would he have even got a game? You know what I mean? If we didn't have the halfback issues, yeah, he probably wouldn't have done. Probably would have seen no. him training and said. No, it's it's not working out. Do you know what I mean? But we were so desperate with parachuting him in and trying to get a tune out of him. Yeah. Mm. On a similar, kind of similar vein, um, we signed King Wunibiawa from the Warriors. Do you think that that's on a similar, similar to to Eastman in that I didn't really know much about him, unknown quantity, and hopefully just bring him over for a year and just see sort of see if we can get a game out of him as well. What did you make of that signing, Mark? Um, I mean, at the time, at the time I thought, right, it's a prospect side. He's got age yeah. on his side. Mm. <clears throat> From what you saw, decent size of him, about him that lot. But I think it came apart after the first few games that, nah, it wasn't quite going to be right for him. Mm. Then, of course, there were all that stuff online that he was whinging about not getting picks. I thought, well, yeah. if you were any good, mate, you'd get picked. But then again, on the other side of that, when he was left on bench against Warrington and we lost Tetevano or Olenski when we were winning, that really annoyed me, that. But that's a different subject. That's more about Agar's player management than him. But it was just one of the, another one. It was one of those pro, uh, projects that did pay off. Mm-hmm. But my only thing with that is, is if you're using an overseas quarter spot, it's got to be quality. It's got to be ready to start in that first 17. Yeah. And that's that's why I go. That's why I'm still. I want rid of Bodine Thompson as well. I just think yeah. you know the things. You know the quarter is where we are at the moment. We fussed Sewer, we Caesar, we Austin. You know what I mean? Tetevano. That's where you want to be at that yeah. level. You don't want to be scraping barrel for your overseas quarter. What did so, you make of it, Duncan? What did you make of the signing of him at the start of the year? <laughs> I, I don't like signing players that are projects as I'd call them up from overseas mm. you know like when we got a few and far between aren't they when you, when you get a real I, I think it's I think it's just it's a waste of time I'd rather wait because sometimes what can happen is you get to mid-season and some players of quality will become available just to nip in there sorry do you think that it might have been a bit of a panic buy for the Rhinos that one. absolutely I think, I think it was one of them yeah. where we wanted to mm. we wanted to fill the quote we wanted to fill the quota spots. Yeah. Like I, who who scouted him? Because 
after watching him for one game, you could tell his defence was awful. Mm. And it never it, it's never improved. And he was almost like, if we want to get back to challenging St. Helens, which or, and for grand finals, which is ultimately what where we want to be, mm. he was two or three years away from getting to a starting 17 spot. And I think if you like it, when you look at like Tom Holroyd, if if we were going to be picking King above him, like Tom Holroyd's like light years in front of him, yeah. And the game time would be better off going to a youngster than it would be going to, than it would be going to King. You've got to remember though, Holroyd's leg were broken at the time when we signed him. Yeah, so yeah. We knew, no. we, we knew Holroyd wasn't going to play for a long time. Ava had just, and you can't really blame Ava for wanting to go home. Ava, see you, man, a fagai or whatever his name is. Yeah. I mean, because if you think, the plan was we're going to bring Tetevano in. Ava was going to stay. That is that is a pretty, that's a very good pack. Ava, Oledsky, Pryor, Tetevano, that's a very good pack. But then suddenly you lose one quarter of that. You mm. need, need an extra prop. And yeah. the next person who'd come in is all right, but he's just broken his leg. Yeah, you, you've got, you you've do. Got prop, you've got a prop available. You sign him on a one-year deal knowing that if he is naff, you can let him go. Yeah, so but my, I don't my think point, it was that bad of a move. The point, the point I'm trying to make is that it was, with it being a quota spot, to me, there's more, you're wanting quality within that. You're not, to me, you don't sign someone for a, even if it's a year, because like I say, it can take up, players constantly become available mid-season. Um, and was there that higher expectation going into the season from a lot of Leeds fans? I would say probably not. Um, so it just felt a bit of a wishy-washy signing, to be fair. That's Talking my of signing, uh, we made another a real a real marquee signing, real marquee player. And when we did sign him, obviously I'm talking about Zane Tetevano. At, just going back, if you cast your minds back, if you can, Cameron, at the time, what did you make make of it when when Leeds announced that we'd signed Tetevano? Oh, buzzing. It was Christmas morning, wasn't it, that we announced it? Um, I thought it was a really good move, and I still do. Well, I mean, he's not had the best season, but sometimes it can take these players a year to sort of get acclimatised. I'll be tipping in for a big season in 2022, but yeah. I was excited because he's, you know, he's been part of two very successful NRL teams because he obviously yeah. won the grand final with Sydney, I believe, and then got to another in 2020 with Penrith. And Penrith fans were sorry to see him, see him leave. He's a top quality forward. I'm still not sure where his best position is. I, I think we might see him more at prop next year. Me too. But um, what I will say is, sort of harkening back to what we've just been talking about with King is, I was disappointed that the we only really made one major signing, didn't we, going into 2021. We had a good season in 2020, won the Cup. We only brought in one real key, you know, big signing in Zane Tetevano. I'd have liked to have seen another. What did you make of that signing, Duncan? Yeah, really good signing. Um, the calibre of player that you want. Um, I, yeah, think I think we've done him a bit of a disservice this year. mentioned the overseas spots. Mm. I think that's the calibre of player. Yeah. As yeah. you were saying, sorry, carry on. Um, I, just, I, I think we've done him a little bit of a disservice this year. Because mm. to me, he's not a minute man and he never will be. Um, he's In not player. That, yeah, he's, he's a... To me, you get 40, 50 minutes out of him each week, but you get 40, 50 minutes of quality, not 60, hour, 70 yeah. minutes of like, mm. 
try try and bust the gut for us if you can. You want that impact. For Correct. me, you rotate you rotate him and Oledsky. Yeah. Um that'll be what I'd be doing next year. I, I don't know if anybody knows. Did Tavana play on the bench mostly when he was in the NRL? Was he used as an impact prop? In the yeah, he was impact prop off bench. See, that's where yeah, I'd be using him. That's where I'd be using him um, next season. I've got a bit of an interesting pick for who I'd like to see play at loose forward, but um, I'd be playing Tavana off the bench and, like you say, swapping him with a lead and just getting that real explosivity. What did yeah. you make of the signing, Mark? Oh, buzzing, mate. Oh, buzzing. Yeah. I watched him for a, for a long time. It's just, just what we need, especially after losing Kylie and JP. We never had that oomph about us. Mikolai's yeah. still finding his feet. Uh, Pryor's more of a talker and a grafter, so yeah. we, we needed that bit of nasty, you know what I mean? Yeah. But again, like, like Duncan Cameron have said, why we picked him? Okay, give it 13 shirt because of the prestige in it. But pick yeah. him in his best position. Yeah. Far too often last year, and year before we prior, we're playing him at loose forward for an hour or 50 minutes and then switching him to prop for 20 when they're gassed. You're like, what are you doing? That is so so poor squad management by by Agar. Proper annoyed me that. Because then by the time then he gets tired, he gets sloppy, his timing's off. And we know as soon as that set after that Saints game in cup, when he got sent off, his card was stamped. So any indiscretion he was simbined or bound, and it, it just got ridiculous in and Yeah, it, it wore unfair on him with that because it wasn't that. I don't think I still to this day don't think it was that bad of a challenge with that red card. I don't. No, I don't. You're right. He's he's got a reputation now that he don't deserve. I mean, there was that awesome tackle. Um, I mean, it was a tackle as well against Huddersfield where he got simbined, and it wasn't even late. He hit him well, see that ball, and yeah. it was a brilliant. It was a brilliant tackle. If it, you know. If he don't pass the ball, you're applauding it for a hell of a hit. But instead, because he passed the ball as he hit him, and it was as he hit him, because he still had it in his hands when he hit him. Exactly. And we're down to 12 men and they've got a penalty. Yeah. So just moving on now towards the actual 2021 season. Obviously, those were the signings we made. Duncan touched on it. I think it was Duncan sorry, touched on it earlier. What did you expect from Agar and this 2021 squad, Cameron, going into the season? If you can cast your mind back, did you expect us to to do anything this year? Before all those injuries hit us in pre-season, obviously, and we also had the COVID outbreak, I was tipping us to push inside the top four, maybe even inside the top three, just because I thought... In at times in 2020, we looked really good in attack. If you cast your mind back to before lockdown and a little bit after lockdown, we were scoring tries for fun. Um, and we just won the cup. So I, I was expecting us to use that and to take us forward a bit and finish hopefully inside the top four. But I, you got to sort of recontextualize your predictions when you were Gale's injured, Louis injured, Walker's injured, McClellan's injured. You know, suddenly your spine's. Knackered, so I started going. Maybe we'd be lucky to finish in the playoffs. Mm. What did you think, Mark? Um, I thought if we kept his best seven seed on pitch, we could easily hit fourth or third. In fact, even though we lost that semi final, I was quite upbeat afterwards because I thought even with 12 men, we gave them a, we gave them a good game. But after that, I mean, I know where injuries played a big part, we just couldn't kick on. It were always disruptions and ex. I don't like an excuse culture. I know the stats don't lie and injuries played a big part, but 
some at selections, some at performances where we just didn't look like we had any idea whatsoever. Mm. It was just, I don't know, it, it, it became apparent for me personally very quickly that the season was going to be a bit of a washout. Mm. So when we did make the playoffs, I thought, all right, we, you know, we got there in the end. It's a bit of a bonus. What do you think, Duncan? I think it's the first time we've gone into a season and not really had a lot of expectation around the lead side. Yeah. Mm. Um, it was, I it was one of them where, he, the, with winning the cup last year, it sort of gave them a free shot, and I think they just wanted to see progress in the league. I was thinking if we can make the playoffs, um, if we met the top four, it'd be at a push, and we'd have to have a lot of luck with injuries, but. Yeah. I thought we were still a couple of players light um, in really pushing for that for that top four. Yeah, I think uh, I, I'd agree with everything that everyone said, really. And the fact that we did as well as we did this year, especially in the league and getting to the... You know, game, game, I think that's, um, that's testament to the side, really, especially with the um, injuries and things that we've had. But we've, we've touched on that loads. So just... On the season as a whole, um, what would be your game of the season, Mark? Um, for me, um, oh, I, don't, I think I think we um, well, when we uh, when we beat Warrington and Dilly Wigan back to back, not mm. just not just what I mean, the quality of the game wasn't brilliant in terms of attack, but. Nearly them back to back on their own pack. It is sweet. It was sweet, that. That's not that's not to be overlooked. That is it. No, no, not at all. Not at least certain age. <laughs> yeah, first time they've been nilled since early nineties, wasn't it? Yeah, I did. We did it back to back on them. I yeah. really enjoyed that. Yeah, I don't think that gets spoken about enough. To be honest, what about you, Cameron? What were your game of the season? It's funny. All our games of the season came away from Edinley, so that's something. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, uh, magic. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I, I think I'm going to pick the magic weekend. Yeah, me I too. There. It felt like a big game because mm. of the stakes of the playoff race. Mm. And there was some there was some really good, well, special tries, you know, like Ari Newman's try were just Newman. pure strength. Run over Mark's need. That's yeah. always brilliant. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Run over Mark's need's brilliant. And then obviously his flick for Lehman's try were great. Oh, and God. although Golden Point was sometimes... Was, the one of the most stressful golden point periods ever. Team has tried to looking back. I think we missed what it three attempts. We missed three attempts. Oh, three or four. four. Oh, Lehman missed two. Lehman missed one. Oh, Martin missed one, didn't Martin he? Missed Martin missed one. missed one. But I missed one at one point. <laughs> but to finally get get it over and to edge edge closer to the playoffs. Who did? Pr- who did kick it? What it Lehman. got one, yeah. Who'd have thought we'd live in a world where both Brad Dwyer and Chris Lehman have kicked winning drop goals for Leeds? <laughs> Mental, isn't it? It's bizarre. What about you, Duncan? What's your, what's been uh, your game of the season? I think you. I think you're always biased, aren't you, to the games that you go to? Um, oh yeah. So yeah, for me, it'd be the first Wigan game. Yeah. Just to nil them on their own patch was so sweet, and then the famous Wigan walk starting ten minutes before the end of the game for their fans was, <laughs> yeah, particular highlight that for me. So this might be the um, 
a very similar same answers, but the best moment of the season for me it was um Harry Newman running over Mark Sneed at Magic. <laughs> what was it for you, Duncan? I'm gonna go a bit different here. Um, right. so it's not actually an on the field moment. Um Rob Burrow coming out of Headingley. Oh my god, of course. That was just the most emotional ground oh, I yeah. have ever been in. Oh my in. god. Yeah. Um mm. now I was actually sat next to the mark at that at that game. Oh were you? Oh wow. Yeah, yeah. And I th- I don't even think we looked at each other for about five or ten minutes because we were just it was one of them where you were sort of looking straight forward. And then when his kids brought the match ball on, that were it. I, I mean I don't think there was a dry eye in the house, and it was just. No, I'd gone by then. I'd, I'd gone that, by then. To, to me, that was that was the that's a moment that I think a lot will live with a lot of Leeds fans for a long time. You touched on it. Just, that you had to be there, didn't you, for that? Yeah, you and I think it, that, one at, of them at the end of the game as well, when all the players got a photo in front of the flag. Yeah, brilliant. Um, yeah, it was a special night that for me. Cameron. I don't even know how to follow that. I think I think we have to. We all put agree that... that's that's the yeah, it's definitely the highlight. Yeah, I think we have to put that on a on a, on a, the pedestal and say yeah, that <laughs> that highlight because sometimes yeah. there's Can things more important. Back. There's things more important than uh, success on a rugby field, and that's yeah, one of them. Than if, yeah. Um, but other than that, other than that, I'll I'll just go back to the cruise leaming drop goal. I thought he had a brilliant season. And like I say, to be to be there when he when he kicked it. When he did it. When he yeah. finally did it. And after all the anguish of seeing us miss fairly straightforward attempts. <laughs> well Reese Martin missed that conversion as well, didn't he? Yeah, yeah he did. I would write him some notes for the podcast for that at the time I spoke about it, and I'd already written, I think it was to make it 24-26. It was, should have been 24-26, but he missed it. I'd wrote it down, and then he'd missed it. I'm like, oh, my God. <laughs> it kind of sums it up at that point, doesn't it? You think, yeah, this is it. It's going all the way. This. What about you, Mark? Have you got any? Yeah. Um, I think on the field, it has to be Harry Newman v. at Millennium Weekend, especially after the time he's been out with his broken yeah. leg. Mm-hmm. I just thought that kid for me is going to be electric. He he can be anything he wants to be. He was I superhuman think, that night. Wasn't yeah, it? the way he destroyed Sneed and Manny Mao that they call the Oh yeah, Mal. he left him on his ass was, as well, clean. Yeah, clean. and then that that flick for leaving, he's just like he just give me all those flashbacks when I when I first saw Keith Senior play left centre for Leeds because when he first joined he played him on wing and he was getting booed himself and I mm. mean my dad would nearly end up fighting with these two fans behind us who were slagging him off mm. and then when he first switched to left centre I've never seen a centre like it in all my time supporting Leeds and the man with poetry in motion I can see the same attributes with Newman not only that mm. and all his toughest mm. to come as well I tell you what's a, a forgotten moment from Mr. Newman this season because it ended up being in a defeat, but I loved it. Their second try he scored against Warrington at Edinley. Yeah. You know, we yeah. Yeah. off the drop off from Gale and he, he yeah. just finds the gap and then just pins his ears back. I love I really love that try and that should have should have been what the winning. His try. first game back. It was one of his first his one first, his first game first. was away at Catalan. That's right, yeah. Be, yeah. Um, Unbelievable. I think it was like his second game at Headingley because he mm. he scored against Salford, I think. Salford. Yeah, that were right. He, he came back and he looked almost superhuman. He looked at that good. game at Magic. Yeah, somehow he looked better. Performance like that from a Leeds player for ages. Mm. 
somehow he looked better after getting injured. Then that's not the way it's supposed to go. They're supposed to potentially <laughs> no, get injured and they drop off a little bit, and it takes yeah. a time for. But somehow he just got injured and like oh, it's obviously it irked him that he'd made it into the side and then got that bad woman. And he's like, right, when I come back now, I'm just gonna be, I'm gonna be better than ever. He's set to make his England debut, isn't he, on Saturday? Because there's only two. I mean, he could play Ben Curry or John Bateman at centre instead of him. But I, I'd like. I hope he plays Newman at centre on Saturday, Sean Wayne. He deserves to. Yeah, he yeah. does. Absolutely. They have doing oranges. He's been shocking this year. <laughs> <laughs> marquee money. We've spoke about it loads, but that's marquee money for him. <laughs> it's funny though. It's Wigan. <laughs> well, yeah, he's hilarious. So that's some of the best moments. What what do you think was the the lowest point of the season, Duncan? Uh, again, I'll pick a game I went to the St. Helens away game. Yeah, the first one uh, when we got absolutely hammered. I think it was forty points to six. Was it forty six? Yeah. Uh, yeah, that was um, yeah hard. At that at that stage, did you just think that we were finished then? That that were our season done? Yeah, yeah, but. As I always do, still kept me going back, and and then obviously the wins at Wigan, and then you get the confidence going back, and then you go back to St Helens and they they do you again. It was, uh... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. So I picked the first Saints game for me was that was a really really tough watch because there was there was nothing there. It was a complete gutless performance from Leeds. What about you, Mark? What what was your lowest point of the year? Um, there's two. I thought performance-wise, I'm going to say well, Kiara away. Oh yeah, that was poor. Oh, and yeah. then, God, and then the all when we threw it away against Warrington because of that dickheaded stand didn't know how to manage his team. <laughs> because there's that game and I was all fuming. What about that Charlie try as well? Don't forget about that. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah but try that never was. again, but it was the Kendall. There's a surprise. <laughs> what about you, Cameron? What's your lowest point of the season? I agree agree there that the worst performance was probably LKR, although there were a few. But I think the low points of our season are best told in a trilogy. And I'm going to call it the trilogy of the totally wicked stadium. The first, the first yeah. time we went, we went there, it wore a low point, but only because we just won the Challenge Cup last year. Yeah. It was only a few months after we'd won the Cup that we were taking on the best team in the comp. Um, in the first round, and we gave it a good go, and we might a lot have won. Of injuries, yeah. yeah, we might have won on another day, or if things had gone our way. But to to just have to surrender the trophy that we just won, yeah, uh, leaves a bit of taste, doesn't it? Yeah. Then the sequel came out, and somehow that hurt even more. That were worse. <laughs> that Again, were worse. it were a, a depleted <laughs> side, but I, I don't, I can't remember. Was it? I think it was Duncan who might have said it. Yeah, it were. It were it wasn't a good the lack problem. of fight. Yeah. yeah, yeah, we were just we just let them walk through us, and unfortunately, in the the end of the trilogy, with a almost a full strength team, we still let them walk right through us. They just walk through us again. Yeah, and that that really, I mean, I think we were maybe a bit out on his feet, but to just in that semi final, it's a semi final, should be up for it, and to just sort of not put put up the fight down the middle like I thought we would. I thought Oledsky prior in Tetovan, I thought. They're going to put Bella for fight here. We'll we'll go down fighting here, and there were effort there, but we just we just let him go through the middle of us. So I think Tavano ended up with about eleven missed tackles. Yeah. So for me, 
if you're looking at serious improvements for 2022, you've got to look at those performances at St. Helens because they're the benchmark at the minute. You've got to go, mm. well, how, how, how do we get to that? We've, yeah, we've how seen are we, we going to get closer? Yeah, and, to and to be fair, it can be done because Catalans played in the semi final against St. Helens in 2020 and they were beaten worse than us. I think they lost 48 2. We only lost 36 8. So it can be done. Mm. Catalan learned the lessons of losing that semi final last year and went, this is what we have to be like next year to, to compete. And they finished top mm. and got to the grand final. We're not that far off winning it. So we've got to do the same now. No, you make some, some good points. Um, we'll move on to try of the season. What's, what's your, what, what was your try of the season, Mark? I yeah, me too. Yeah, Harry Newman versus all. What about you, Duncan? The team try for, I think it was Lehman that finished it off against Catalan. I know we got beat, but Catalan, yeah. we were in the we we're in there 20 and just played top potato. And then I think it was Smith that did a nice short ball and put Lehman under the sticks. Yeah. Lehman in. I thought that yeah, were a nice try. Cameron? A bit disappointed with uh, the lack of options this year. I think I want us to <laughs> play too. a bit more. Bit more of an exciting brand next year, and hopefully with Caesar and Co. I mean, we will, but it's hard to look past that Newman tribe. But the clo- another close contender will be Leemins as well in the same game because that flip pass from Newman. Oh, yes, it? yes, that was a great try. I when I was thinking about try of the season, every try I thought of were from 2020. <laughs> We did score some good ones in 2020. I know. I kept thinking, <laughs> oh yeah, and then I'm like, oh no, that one this year. <laughs> yeah, I'll choose that. I think that speaks to a lot of the issues we had in 2021 in terms yeah. of chop, chop. Yeah. We had to keep changing his halves, and they're the key good for your God. attack. So you can't really stretch defenses like you can do when you've got a consistent set of halves. A lot of, I mean, Lehman and Dwyer are our top try scorers because we just had to keep pinching ones from around the rook. Yeah. Relying on them to try and sneak over and, uh, and grab us one. I think we ended the year on 16 halfback combinations. That must be a, a world record, record forever. forever. I can't ever see a team being so decimated in the halves as we were this year. No. So talking, of, talking of players, uh, player of the season, top top three, three to two, if you could, Mark. Who's number three for you? Third um, place, I put Myla. Yep. Uh, second place, oh, that's a tough one. Probably prior, and then player season for me is Cruz Lehman. Yeah, I agree. Cameron, uh, I got the basically the same order. I might put Milo above prior just because if you look at Milo's stats, he had over 20 try involvements. So if you combine tries and his assists, he's over, he's about 23, and not many players have more than him in the league. Um, I do think we need to give a shout out to Mikolai Oledsky because I thought if he'd not got yeah. injured, he'd have he'd probably he'd not got the injury player of he, the yeah, year. Well on his way, yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. But with with his injuries, he probably comes in fourth if there was a fourth. If there was, yeah. Duncan, do you agree? I had him at number two, Oledsky. That's fair enough. He was brilliant. I had Myler three, Oledsky two, and then Leeming one. Leeming one, would, yeah, would be mine. We all agree, yeah. Leeming's definitely been. The standout performer for me. Also in line for an England debut. Yeah. yeah. Also in the England squad. Deserves deserves to play for me. Yeah, me too. I think he's been best nine in in, in well, best halfback for Leeds, but best nine in competition. 
So that's the season, as we've touched on it there. Do you think it was a successful season, Cameron? Would you say, looking back, is it is has 2021 been a successful Leeds on the field? Not gone backwards, but we've not gone forwards is the way I'd, I'd see it. It's hard to go forwards when you've got all the injuries that we had. Mm. Um, but we finished fifth again. We did get, I suppose we got one step closer to World Trafford to this me. year than last mm. year. And that would have been it. That win against Wigan had an important learning curve for a lot of us younger players. And I suppose, in a sense, it's a success because we've seen Jack Broadbent come of age. We've seen Morgan Gannon. I love the kid. He's going to be brilliant. Um, we've seen him, you know, start to develop and a few others. So that's something to be excited about. But yeah, in terms of actual success, it's just sort of, it's like five out of 10. It's right in the middle. No, that was my next question. What would you rate out of 10, five out of 10? For the, yeah, for the just spot on in the middle because we didn't, we weren't terrible, but we weren't, we, you know, we, we didn't win anything or we didn't come that close to winning anything. What do you think, Duncan? I think five's a little bit harsh, to be fair. Mm. I think I think if you'd if you said to any team at the start of the season you're gonna have sixteen half back pairings, I'd defy a team to <laughs> and playing a hooker in the halves for I mean, how many games did Lehman do in halves? Probably well, double figures. Year, it? Yeah. Mm. Um I mean we had Reese Martin playing in the halves. Cameron Smith as well. Yeah. Um so I think I mean I'd go six or seven, just well, on the fact that I, I think I, I I hate saying this, and I'm glad Mav's not on the podcast, but said to like head and shoulders above everyone at the minute. Yeah. So I think if you take them, put them to the side because I think next year they're going to be a lot weaker. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think yeah, six or seven. I think we've got building blocks in place. If we tweak a few things, I think next year we could really. I don't see why we can't kick on, especially with the recruitment we've made. So I'd probably say six six and a half. Six and a half from Duncan, five from Cameron out of ten. Mark, what would you... I'll split it into two parts. In terms of performance on the field, five out of ten. They don't deserve more than five out of ten. Mm. In terms of positives, what we can set with the game time from Gannon... Broadbent Newman coming back. Corey, we saw a little glimpse of Corey Johnson. Oh, yeah. I, I'd give yeah. us a six because we have got the building blocks there to go again. A lot of people still haven't seen Levi Edwards. That kid's mm. going to be electric as well. Yeah. Tyndall's mm. had a good loan out at Doncaster, oh. but I know we've got Fusser Tour now. Mm. So hopefully, with these two halves that come in, because they've got to be our starting halves as far as I'm concerned, we'll see a lot more. and. I just want the I want our, our coach to get a grip of that pack because you can make all the excuses in the world about how many halfbacks you've got, but if the, if you're playing prior at 35 for, for over an hour and set Avano at 13, then moving him to prop after an hour for 10 minutes and picking Oral off bench on one leg, then you're not giving yourself a chance to win. He really he really needs to get a grip of it, or hopefully we get a new coach. Yeah, either or one or the other. In 2021, we also lost Kev. Kevin Sinfield left us. He moved to um, Rugby Union. Got a deal. I think he's defensive coach. But, uh, yeah. Leicester Tigers. How did you feel when that news broke, Duncan, that Kev were leaving us? Uh, from a Leeds point of view and the job that he did, um, it was a mixed bag, wasn't it, from Kev? 
Mm. Um, if you look at his signings, they were either Ooh. disastrous or... I mean, he's left us with... Obviously, they signed Bentley before. That was sort of his parting gift. I yeah. actually think he's... My question was he's more of a loss to rugby league Definitely. than he was to Leeds. Um, yeah. I think it's more worrying seeing one of your stalwarts of the game move to the dark yeah. side. Yeah, no um, so that was, that was my original reaction. They were my thoughts on it. Um, just that it was not a great day for rugby league, but hopefully at some stage when he's, he can come back and take up a role at Leeds again. What did you think, Mark, when it was announced that Kev were leaving? In terms of the job we were doing, it were it were a yeah, right choice. Time to move on. If we'd have given him a coaching job, a proper coaching job like they have at Leicester, then I think it'd have been more of a positive impact. So I think he even said himself he got bogged down by the political and uh, red tape signs the administration side of the game, which mm-hmm. he didn't really want to do. Um I think he did make some good signings and he did what he set out to do when he first came in. He said, you know, you need to change the culture in the club. But I think in terms of recruitment, I think a lot of the time he let his own standards slip, which disappointed me because he started at this club as a 13-year-old kid and he saw us build that legacy and the blueprints for doing it. With how we brought out as youngsters, we only signed quality. And some of the signings, nah, not for me, but... Like Doug says, it's a loss to rugby league because he's doing a great job at Leicester. What did you think, Cameron, when that was announced that Kevin were leaving us? I love that sort of headline from Duncan. I think that sums it up best. It's a bigger loss to rugby league than it is to Leeds. Mm. I still think he was a success at Leeds in this role because you got to look for where we were when he came in. We were te- we were in dire straits in 2018. Yeah. The squad needed a big change, and you can't. Especially in rugby league, when it's salary cap and people won't pay fees to buy players out of contracts, it takes time to rebuild a squad. And sometimes you have to buy, you have to bring in players who maybe aren't the, the right player or the player who's going to win you loads of trophies. Yeah. Um, to sort of get that transition going, and I think he started that transition. He admitted he made a mistake with David Ferner, but he rectified it. He, pro- he rebuilt sort of the culture as we just sort of talked upon. And he's built, the basis of what I hope to be is a good, um, will be a really good um, team moving forward into 2022. Because I think we've spoken about Bentley, EC old Bentley, but I also, Caesar was announced whilst he was still at the club. So again, that's another player that another one from he, he probably did. And Austin were announced a few days after he left. So you can probably assume he probably did a lot of the work for Tom that yeah. as well. Um, but it could his time at Leeds could become more of a success next year and the year after, depending on how well we do in the next two years with these new players, if they fulfil their potential and become really good signings. I agree. I was devastated. I love him. When he left, I was just I was gutted. But it's like well, you've all touched on. I don't. Well, we have these. You know, we have Andy Farrell. Paul Deacon, probably another I've missed, and now Kev. Sean Edwards. Sean Edwards, yeah, I knew they were another big one. All gone to Rugby Union, and there's clearly an issue in trying to keep these, let's be honest, some of the, well, the biggest names 
in English rugby league, and we just can't keep them in this in our sport. And I think that's something that that's a bigger issue for rugby league than it is Leeds Rhinos. But that's just our thoughts on it. So we touched on twenty twenty two there, and we're looking forward now. Uh, we've obviously signed Bentley, Austin, Caesar. Um, who am I missing? Fossatura and Austin. Fossatura and Austin. What do you think, just we've kind of touched on it earlier with uh, Kevin, his signings. 2022 and this squad, do you think, it's been mentioned previously before by the media and fans alike that we've been in a transitional period in terms of the squad. Looking at that squad on paper for 2022, Mark, would you say this is the end of that transition? Do you think this squad now that's been assembled is good enough to win trophies next year and back-to-back trophies? I think it's good enough to win trophies. Um, I think next year will be better, but I think we've got a better chance of actually winning the Cup than the actual bigger prize. Purely because I still think there's two or three, if I'm being really greedy, there's two or three players that we're carrying that aren't good enough. And I still think there's two or three youngsters in there that need more experience in the best positions and a couple more to come through as well. But I think the foundations are stronger this year than they have been in the last two or three. In a while. What do you think, Cameron? Do you think this is the end of the transitional period? I think the squads, I think it's the best on paper for a while. What do you think? If it isn't the end of the transition, well, it is the end of the transitional period, but the, it's where we've transitioned to. to really, we, we, hopefully we've transitioned back to being a contender, at the very least. On a regular or, basis. Yeah. On a regular basis. Yeah. If we continue, if it doesn't work, and it might not, I think it will, and I think it could. Mm-hmm. But if it doesn't, then we've just transitioned into become, into a team that's going to finish fifth and sixth for uh, the next next few years. So it... it 2022 and 2023 for me are big years to show where we are and what what this project has achieved and will achieve because it's at it, it on like we said on paper this is probably the best squad we've had for five years since the last time we won the grand final this is probably the best squad we've had so it it needs to deliver and if it doesn't deliver well we can say well we transitioned but the transitional period only took us to fifth <laughs> is it a transition what do you think, Duncan? Um, I think there's a lot of pressure on Ergar this year. Do you think this is it? Yeah. Um, for me now, like the transition, that's the transition period done. Like Cameron said, it's where we transition to. Where but to me to now, that. Leeds need to. The goalposts have been moved now. Where it comes to signing, the bars, the bars are set. With the signings we've made, they all are upgrades on every single player that they will replace. To me. All them signings go straight into our starting lineup. Yeah, definitely. And not on the bench, they're in the starting lineup. Yeah. So Maybe. that is a massive upgrade to get four starters into your team for next year. And I think we judge Agar next year on this is your squad, and hopefully there are clear expectations. To me, anything less than top four, top three isn't yeah. good enough. Mm-hmm. Um, and we need to we need to be pushing on uh, to eventually challenging back where we like to be at Old Trafford. Um, now that might be one step too far next year again, but to me, the can't be. I want to see the gap closed on St. Helens. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. 
so that I think that's where we have to judge Agar now uh, this year. I think it's his free rides over. I think he's done a, re- a good job in getting us back. We've touched I on agree with that. sorting mm. the culture out, yeah, getting rid of that a few bad eggs. But now this year he's got a decent starting lineup and he's got real depth within the squad that not many clubs have got. We've probably yeah. got better depth next year than St. Helens have. Certainly in key positions, yeah, definitely. If you look at Saints, where Saints' key positions are and the players they've lost, they've not got that much depth. Yeah. Our halfback options next year, there's lots of depth there. I mean, I mean, to me as well, like our recruitment, we could still go out and we've, to me, we've got a surplus of players that we need, like Mark touched on it. To me, naming the players, Bodine Thompson don't get anywhere near the 17 next year. I don't uh, think Brad Dwyer does. That's I don't, an interesting, I don't, that's an I don't interesting think Brad question. Dwyer gets in that starting set. We're going to touch on it next. That's an interesting question. There. I don't think Brad Dwyer gets in that. Um, I mean, if it, if it was me next year, I'd be, I'd be looking to move on now. Gail, Thompson, Donaldson, they'd be my three. Aren't they all off contract at the end of next year as well? They're off contract at the end of next year, yeah. yeah. But yeah. I think if we moved them three on, what would that give you for... If we added one prop off them three wages... Quarter spot, yeah, you get a quarter spot because Thompson's yeah. on because Thompson as well. You mean, like I said, you might not even need to. I wouldn't be so upset if them three moved on and we just sort of hung back a bit and said, Yeah, me right, too. Let's I see agree. what happens in the NRL market after yeah. a few. After I think a couple you that touched on it about that mid season signing, see who, see who becomes available, yeah. So that's my thoughts on it, anyway. <laughs> well, we touched on it there. Slightly, a little. Um, I asked you all earlier about your starting 13, 1 to 13 for 2022. Is anyone ready to? Yep. Give it? Yeah. Yep. Mark, are you ready? What's your starting? Yeah. What's your starting 2022? Starting, my starting 13, I'll even give you my bench and the 13 are in squad number as well. I was going to say, if you could, that would indicate. Yeah. yeah. Bit, so, one, one Jack Walker. Mm-hmm. Two Fussy Tua, three Newman, four Broadbent, five Andley, seven Caesar, six Austin, eight Alensky, nine Leeming, ten Pryor, eleven Bentley, twelve Martin, thirteen Cameron Smith. Bench Allroyd, Setavano, Corey Johnson, and Morgan Gannon. I think your one you know yeah, your one to thirteen is exactly the same as mine. But what's yours, Duncan? Same as Mark's, one to thirteen. <laughs> what's yours, Cameron? <laughs> I don't know, but a little bit different. Mile, I, I think you've you, you've been a bit harsh on Richie Myler. I think he, he's been one of our best players for the last two years, and I think the onus is on Jack Walker to prove that he should be in the team ahead. So, do of you Myler. think? Do you think Myler should get number one shirt? I think he deserves the number one shirt based on oh, um, the last two last two years because yeah. he's he's been oh, basically he's been banging form exactly, and he's been basically first choice fullback yeah, he has. since since um, well you've been proved at Wembley want it there and then in that moment he was the first choice fullback and I don't think he's not been the first choice fullback since. So I'd be and plus that gives Jack extra incentive. You've lost the number one shirt now, Jack. You've got to get it back. To me, to me, with with Jack Walker and Richie Myler, watching us against St. Helens, Myler gives us nothing on kick returns. 
That is that is kind of, that is pretty true. I'll give you that. That is the the thing is, it's almost like you want to combine them. If you put Richie Miles' yeah. passing game into Jack Walker, <laughs> Miler won't get anywhere near the team because mm. that's the one thing that he's got above Walker is his passing game. Yeah. But actually, people forget Jack Walker. His support play came on tenfold um, in the year where he broke his foot. If you oh, look back, at, if you look back at his highlights, the amount of times where he made a break up the middle and he was there, he was he was on the inside, bit like what Brent Webb used to be, sniffing out chances, and he was under the sticks. I think for me, there's levels in rugby, and I think Jack Walker and I actually spoke to him about this on the members' night. Mm. A lot of people forget about him, and he gets a lot of stick on Twitter about his he injuries. He really does. He really now, does. he is the better defensive fullback out of the two. He's better under a high ball. To me, in Quicker. October, when you go to Old Trafford, you rely on your defence to win you the title. And Myler's got a rick in him. That ball goes in the air. He doesn't catch every single eye ball that goes in the air. And that's what you need when you get to Old Trafford. Jack Walker, when we get to Old Trafford in 2017, Cass were peppering him and he had the answer to every single eye kick. And I think on kick returns as well, he isn't looking for his wingers. So he'll get us out of trouble and he gives us that extra carry, whereas Myler needs the support of his wingers. I so think that's num- I've that's spoken number about one, on this podcast Cameron. before. What, what, what's the, the rest of your squad? Well, I've just got something to say about Jack. Oh, carry on, sorry. Uh, we, I've spoken about this on podcast before about Jack. 2020, he, he was there. He'd finally nailed every aspect because you talked about support support play, which had improved. Yeah. But so yeah. in his passing game, he were creating chances for uh, Comrade Oral and Ash Handley for no, like nobody's business down the left edge again and again and again and again. And then he got injured. And it's hard to recapture that. You know, you've spent ages learning it, but now you've got to get yourself fit. That came at the worst possible time for him. And yeah, so I'm, I'm telling you my my what the team what I think the team will be at the start of the year. I yeah. think it could be a di- very different team by the end of the year because I could see Jack forcing his way back in ahead of Richie. And I think the centre position, I think someone will get it at the start of the year, but I can see someone else forcing their way in throughout the season. Yeah. So what's your one to thirteen? So I think we'll start the year. Myler at fullback, Fusatua and Handley on the wings, Newman. And I think this is not personally what I would do, but I think he'll he'll give the far shirt to Liam Sutcliffe. Yeah, he will. I think the Arves will be Caesar and Gale, especially because that's Agar spoken about that that but combination. That, to and me, that, they both play the same side of the field, so it's a choice between the two of them. They both Caesar's play played both sides. Caesar's played both sides of the field, though. Yeah, but he. he his dominant side is the left-hand side and he's got a better passing game, a better kicking game and a better running game than Luke Gale. And Gale Gale and Caesar are the same player, just Caesar's better. They're both organisers. Austin gives you that X factor for me. But, yeah, sorry, go on. (laughs) I I basically agree with everything everything you've said there. They are very similar players. um, But... I don't, I don't think he'll drop Gale at the start of the year. Again, this is another position where I think we might see gradual change over the course of the season. Um, I think he will start the year with Gale at seven, Caesar at six. Um, and I think it'll be Gale on the left, Caesar on the right, because Caesar used to play on the right for Canberra. I hear what you're saying. He probably <laughs> better on the left, but I think most halfbacks are better on the left. Um, yeah. 
he's left-footed, isn't he? Which it, that that is something I quite like. Gale's right-footed, Caesar's left-footed, mm. so it gives you that that do, that halfback combination does give you that sort of kicking range, if you like. So, but I, I I would not be adverse to the idea that Austin could force his way in and be that running threat. And we've seen in Canberra how good Austin and Caesar can be as a combination. They're you know they're really good friends out here off the field as well. So it, that could be the way it ends up. But I do think he'll start the season with Gale and Caesar. Well, that's our one to thirteens. Um, funny how we all agree. There's no place for Tom Briscoe then at all, is there? In this seventeen, not for me, no. No. I mean, I love Tommy, and I've said that to you before. And I think he deserves a lot more credit for what he's done for Leeds. Absolutely. He's had a stellar career for us. A true but champion player. True it's player. hard to disagree. Yeah? Yeah, it's, it's hard to see. You know, he, he's in his 30s now. He's lost a bit of speed, and you can see that when he's on the wing. And you just you look at Fossatua, and he's just like, yes, please. I mean, I was a bit tentative about it when we signed him because I thought maybe we should be using quota spot. On a prop, but when we when we announced the signing, I just got really I just got really excited. It's like I can't wait to see him play for Leeds. So he wants to play. Yeah, I think Fusitua is a player that you can't turn down. I think yeah. if they become available, you've you've got to just you've got to take them in. You've got to sign them. What did you make of the signing, Duncan David Fusitua? He's that yeah. new style winger that we oh yeah that we don't have. Um, Ash Anley's a very good finisher. There was that try against Cass one that he went vertical for and scored and put it down on one hand. Mm. But that's Fusser two as bread and butter. He does it nine times out of ten. Mm. Um, and I think Tom Briscoe, the amount of half chances he gets on the outside where he doesn't have the purse anymore to get on the outside and he doesn't have that to me, he's not like a Tom Johnson finisher, whereas Fusser Tua is. I mean, he used to be. Not really anymore. A, yeah, I think he's had a, a good career, but Leeds have always been, through my lifetime supporting them, have always been that team that will get rid of players maybe a year too soon. If you look back to like Lawatiti, Brent Webb, um, you know, they still went on and played for decent teams after we got rid of them. But it was the right time to get rid of him to bring in a better player. And I think you don't put him into the centre as well. To me, the centre, you know, Jack Broadbent, um, he would be my starter. But I agree with Cameron. I think they'll go for the safe option, oh, which is Liam Sutcliffe. Without a shadow of a doubt. Yeah. I think that centre position is going to be the most interesting position to watch develop over the year because I think there's four contenders. I don't think you're going to move Newman. Newman's there and no. he'll stay there. But there's four contenders for that left centre spot. Sutcliffe, Briscoe, Broadbent. And you could feasibly see Levi Edwards, you know, awesome yeah. because he, you watch him at Batley and the bits I've seen of him at, in the academy. He, he He's a special player. Um yeah. I personally think by the end of next year, and I, I hope this is not not that I don't like Liam Sutcliffe because I really I really rate him, but I hope by the end of next year Jack Broadbent settled as that yeah. centre because I'd like to see yeah. Newman and Broadbent as the centres. I just realised I never gave you my predicted pack. Oh, oh, there we go. Offer it, slide it in. I got I only got to the uh, not Bodine Thompson. Is it? Oh yeah, so <laughs> I've got Bodine Thompson and James Donaldson at prom. <laughs> Yeah, no, ahead, um, 
because this is where I, I said I said to you um, I got a bit of an interesting prediction at least. I thought it were Myler. I thought that were your um. You're going to put Austin there. He's gonna... Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I thought about that, but no, my pack would be um, oh. All right. a skate Leeming Pryor as the front row, Meller and Martin as the second row, and James Bentley at loose forward. See, yeah, ah, right. I yeah. think they'll. I think they'll do that against. I won't be adverse to doing that against a team like St. Ellen's. Yeah. Um, and take the sting out of them, and then bring Gannon on for Meller. But I think. I said this on a podcast. Um, I think it was the last one I did. For me, Meller, he can't take a bench spot. So he either starts or he doesn't get in the 17. I agree with that assessment, yeah, for sure. Because um, he's a very solid defensively, but he doesn't I don't, I don't feel impact. Have that impact off the bench. Hmm. Um, just I, I'll go on. I was just going to say, as well, with having Bentley at loose forward, I think it gives you that tenacity, which I think we lacked yeah. against St. Ellen's. And it yeah. allows you to put Zane on the bench, Zane Tavano yeah. for the impact, and I'd have him alongside Smith and Allroyd. That's three big bodies, three very impactful bodies. Yeah. And I, I, right now, I'd pick um, Brad Dwyer as the replacement hooker. It'd be interesting to see if Blake Austin... If we start with Gale and Caesar, if Blake Austin ever finds himself on the bench instead of Dwyer, because if you look at Saints, they use um, Jack Well, well, have used Jack Wellsby on the bench. Yeah. He comes on, sort of does a loose forward role, but adds a bit more pizzazz. And Austin is certainly capable of doing something like that. I, I, I think for me, like you, you're right what you say. I think uh, pressure's falling on Dwyer as well next year because his distribution is terrible. It's diabolical. Corey Johnson's um, is brilliant as well, so and, that's yeah, why I can see yeah, that. As, that's easy. I think awesome. I think we're going to look to play an expansive with the signings we've made. There's no way we're not looking to play an expansive game next year. Yeah, and getting back to how we have played because, like you mentioned before, Cameron, I think we've been a bit. It's been quite dull. Like when we were mentioning try of the season, it's not like we had yeah, they want much four more. or five contenders, was it? It was like oh yeah, well, Newman. <laughs> um, so yeah. I'd, I'd, I think we'll look to play an expansive game. I think that's where Smith could come in. I think he's a vastly underrated player. He yeah. is really good. Um, I think, you know, he he works, he's, he runs his blood to water, he never misses tackles, he's always up there in the top of the tackle count, he's a strong ball carrier. But he's got that skills as well. Yeah, he's got very good hands and he's got an underrated short kicking game as well. Yeah. I, was it you, Mark? Oh, I see. You all had um, Smith at loose forward, didn't you? Yeah, I did, definitely. I would, I do, I mean, I still stick by the idea that I'd like to see Bentley play at loose forward. But Yeah, I like the idea. Yeah. But I, I, Smith is a hell of a player. I understand why he's, I mean, for me, the reason why he's on the bench is you bring that short kicking game, that passing game yeah. on against yeah, the tiring defence. Yeah. It can be even more pronounced. That said, yeah. they made, I think he only made one start last year. I think we're against Olkara Eddingley in the last game of the regular season. And he played 80 minutes and he was brilliant. So he can do it. And he's still really effective as a loose forward starting, even if I do think he's slightly more effective off the bench. Off the bench. Just going back, if I can, um, I didn't get Mark's thoughts on David Fusatua. What did you make of that signing, Mark? It's, it's the calibre we need to be signing. When you look, when you go for quarter spots and you're looking to improve your squad and sign starters, that's that's the class, that's the level that you want to be shopping in. You want to be in there, at Waitrose, top top shelf, the most prestigious side. You're not stuck in 
Little, you know, it's bargain bucket. <laughs> or that one Middle below or battle land. That's where you want to be aiming. I'll buzz it about it, mate. So I want to see. Got him. Do you think now that we've signed him, just uh, for Mark again, sort of, do you think now we've signed Fussy Tua, do you think Tom Briscoe might leave? I think he might get an option elsewhere now. Um, he's not going to get I, in this I, side. We've got to give a free month testimonial. Now, I've got, I've got two opinions on Tom. The first opinion is he's been an outstanding player for Leeds Rugby League since we signed him. Yeah. That goes without question. He's re- try scoring record, his performances in finals. finals brilliant, yeah. brilliant, brilliant. Mm-hmm. However, the 2019 Tom Briscoe onwards, it's not the same player. It's time's mm-hmm. come. He's one of those players that we've kept far too long. And it's not it's not detrimental to him. It's not like, oh, get rid of his crap. It's it's that time. Time it's to just- move on. Same Sounds with Gale, same with Dwyer, Thompson, yeah, Donaldson. Yeah. Cheers, lads. You've done a, you've done your bit. Off you go. Thank you. I, yeah. I think this will be his last year. Oh, definitely at least. Definitely yeah. at least. Because uh, it's his last year of his contract as well. Because funnily enough, it was only a few days ago. Um, it was a year since, because it came up on my Facebook um, timeline thing. It were a year ago since he signed the, uh, an extension to keep him up. Yeah. Until the end I of remember thinking at the time of that extension that that, that didn't really sit sit well with me. I thought it did. It did with me back then. I thought, especially for two, I think it was a two-year deal. Um, I thought, no, that's not not, not I mean, right. Speaking yeah. of those outside back positions, and all we've touched on Levi Edwards. There's another young kid who's setting it alight at the moment called Max Simpson, and he, he's oh, equally yeah. he's equally as good at centre all wing. So that's another one that might come into mix in next eighteen months, two years. I mean, there's, there's quite a few actually, isn't there? I mean, the yeah. ones I've seen who are slightly younger, they were playing for under sixteens and seventeens. I can't remember the names now. That's shocking. But there's a couple of wingers who dovetail as winger, uh, not wingers, fullbacks um, who dovetail as both fullbacks and centres who look really good yeah. as well. So we've got almost got embarrassment of riches in that role. We touched on him earlier, Brad Dwyer. Um, do you think there's a space for him in this no. 17, Duncan? What do you think? Do you think he's going to get a game or do you think it's going to be... I think it was Cameron. I wouldn't have him, but if I'm... They're going to pick him. He's going to be at. He's going to be the fourteen on bench. Mm. Um, but I won't have him just because I think he's. I don't believe you can attack off him. I think um, the only player that can attack off Brad Dwyer is Brad Dwyer. Yeah. Um, you know, there's. I, I again something I mentioned on a previous podcast. Like Daryl Clark's a running hooker, but he can. St- he's got the ability to bring the team in. Yeah. Brad Dwyer will run off slow ball, quick ball. He'll just get the ball and run. Um, which sometimes, look, last 30 minutes of games when teams are tired, yes, it works. After 10 minutes, if he starts, no, it doesn't work. And you can create errors and build pressure on your team. Um, I just, when he was starting in the in the playoff games, it left a lot to be desired. And I don't think his distribution is good enough. I think it's um, and the main the main job of your hooker for me is your distribution to your halfbacks. I think in that game um, against Saints, you just looked at James Roby, and then you Dwyer. You, we had Dwyer, and I just thought we are worlds apart here, worlds apart. It's putting him to complete shame. And I think as well with with the halfbacks we've got for twenty twenty two, I don't think. There's any space for him at all? Because you've got to think, Leeming. Do you think Leeming is an 80-minute hooker? 
Well, yeah. He's got to prove it, hasn't he? But it's whether he's got that fitness. I think he could be. Um, I think the the Dwyer Dwyer starting in those playoff games. I think that was the mistake because he found a way to play. People were playing broadbent at fullback, weren't he? He had uh, so that allowed him to play Myler in the hours with Louis, and then he could change leaming and Dwyer around, which I thought I thought worked really well last year. But then when he got to playoffs, he decided to go with a bit more safe option, leaming in the halves and play and play Dwyer, start Dwyer at Ucker, and he just, yeah, he just loses all of his impact. Um, the problem I think you have with, with Dwyer versus Johnson on the bench is Johnson's a, another organiser. He's another sort of cruise leaming. I don't. He don't really bring you that running threat off the bench. Or it does. Not in the set. Not the elect- electricity that someone like Dwyer can provide. Cameron Corey Johnson, if he lives up to his potential and gets back to where he was when he was 16s and 18s, he'll be every bit as good as Daryl Clark, and he'll have a better passing game as well. I, I agree with that assessment. But he's a he's a hooker who starts for me. He's a he's a hooker who starts, not a. I, I, I fail I don't really see well I, I think it would still work, but to me if you're gonna have two hookers in your team, they need to be slightly different, you know, in the in what they're gonna bring. And I think Lee and Dwyer have that slightly difference to them where Dwyer's gonna run a lot more than Lehman is. Whereas I think Johnson is and he's almost more of a an organizer than Leeming is if you because his distribution is magnificent. Mm-hmm. I love his distribution. And to me, that that's that's where I, I wonder. But that that being said, I've seen a Leeds team play two uckers who were both eighty-minute uckers in Matt Diskin and Bra- uh, Danny Badiris back in two thousand and nine. We didn't know we were born, did we? Fail, did it? Matt Diskin and Danny Badiris. Exactly. We did not know we were born. Exactly. What do you think, Mark? Do you think do you think there's space for Brad Dwyer in this? No, I don't. I don't. I think this is where now. When you're about to transition early, I think this is where we need to be a bit ruthless now. And whoever is the coach has got to put put the chips down early on in the season and say, look, I'm backing these kids. So my half-backs are Austin and Caesar. My full-back's Walker if he's fit. Mm-hmm. I know he sounds, sounds harsh on Myler. And that's no disrespect to Myler. I think if we're building ahead now for you know to rebuild and carry on and carry on, if Walker's fit, he starts. And then on the bench... Your, your, your bench hooker is it's got to be Johnson not only not only because he's a better passer than Dwyer he can also I play I'm a better passer than Dwyer can, and I haven't played for about 15 he can, he can play 7 and 6 as good as he can play 9 and I, I, I disagree with Cameron on this one because I've, I've watched this kid since he was nearly since he was 13 years old he's as explosive out of dummy half when he sniffs the gap as anybody but I think his, his passing game and his reading of the game is much sharper than Dwyer is. Dwyer's another one. I thank him for his service. The kid gives you 110% every game. I mean, even when he's getting smashed all over the place, he'll get up and go again and go again. But if you're going to challenge for that top two, top three, get the Holy Grail back, it's a, it's a thanks, but no thanks for me with Brad Dwyer. I didn't, I didn't say Johnson won explosive. What, what, what I'm saying is you likened him to Daryl Clark. Daryl Clark's a starting hooker. And that's what I see Johnson as. Dwyer is every bit of an impact hooker. And I think there's a slight difference in the roles. And for me, if you're talking about specifically that 14 role, not the nine role, the 14 role, I think Dwyer fits it better than Johnson does slightly. 
And also, you know, Johnson, I don't think you can throw Johnson straight into the starting 17 at the start next season because he's only just come back. I think if he has enough, if he has enough good, good enough pre-season, he's fit enough. Then I don't see, I don't see why not. I, just I, I, I see your point in roles. I see your point in, in the, how, how it's a slightly different role. But my point is, you pick your best seventeen every game as much as you can, unless, say, for example, you like Saints are giving eight or nine, eight or ten points clear in league, and you're playing Salford away. Then obviously that's when you make your changes. Another another point though on the hooker thing is, and this sort of feeds into what we all believe about next season and the squad is there's no room for error for anyone, which is brilliant. You know, if, yeah, Brad, if Brad, if Brad Dwyer yeah, starts the season as the is there to be seen now. exactly. If he starts the season as the you know number fourteen, let's say on the bench, and he's not really he's not performing, bring Johnson in. If you start with Gale and Caesar and the Arves, Gale, you know it's not working. Austin comes in. You start to with Topliff at centre, it's not working. Here you go, Jack. There's no room for error for anyone. And competition breeds success. If you've got competition for places, people perform better. So that, that should be something that we are all really excited about next year. Absolutely, Cameron. But on the back of that, though, do you think hey, guys are a strong enough coach to do that? Because I, I see Luke Briscoe have three nightmares in a row. He dropped Jack Robin for the playoffs. Who will play a lot better than him. So I, I, I agree with you. The com- more competition, the better, especially when the competition's decent. But, but it's the same for him. I'll, I'll put the point to you then. Now it's the same for Richard Agar next year as it is for all those players. He's got no Absolutely. room for error. If uh, this, this uh, I, I can't remember who said it. His free ride is over. He's done a magnificent job taking us from bottom of the league when he took over in 2019 to winning the cup to where we are now. Hopefully, ready to kick on. If he he needs to make in, in that gap between us and Saints, not just in the yeah. table, but in performance levels on the biggest stage, needs to close. Mm. And if it mm. doesn't, then I mean, I like Agar, and I don't, I'm not trying to give him a disservice here, but it's for him to prove that he can be a top coach just as much as it's for Gail and Caesar to prove that they can be an halfback pairing or Austin will take it. So, yeah. It's it's in, it's really interesting thing. Everyone should have something to prove next year, not just the players, but the coaches as well. well we uh, touched on, and that should hopefully bring the best. We touched on it earlier about Agar, and I think I think you were at, I think it was Duncan who said his his free passes over. Brought Agar in, he's settled the ship, and now he's got the squad. Now the the ship's settled. We need to go full throttle now with this 2022 squad. He's got some weapons, strength in depth, some dynamite kids. This is his chance now to say, if, if he really sees himself as the Leeds coach for a long time and wants to win another trophy, this is, this is his chance now. Because we are constantly, so almost every month we get linked with a new head coach. So clearly we're talking, and GH is obviously putting the feelers out there about a new head coach. If Agar doesn't get something out of this squad now, it's his last chance, probably as a head coach ever. I do worry that maybe he's not that keen. You know, sometimes, you, and you hear about the idea of him he's moving up. This squad, Cameron, he's never going to be keen. Yeah, but, you know, he, can't, he didn't come as a coach, did he? Stop being a head coach. He was assistant at Warrington, and then he came to us as, a, what, head of player and coach development at the start of 2019, I think. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I wonder 
if he still views himself as a placeholder. I hope he doesn't, and I hope he's really excited about next season. And he should be, because, like you said, the squad should really excite him. But sometimes I wonder, is he like, is you know, does he want to do the director of rugby role? Would he be happier doing that? Only he could tell us, I suppose. Well, every month or so, we are linked with a new head coach. And for me, there's no smoke without fire. So there must be something in this, whether Agar's staying or whether we're bringing someone new in or whether Agar's going upstairs. It, it kind of dies down, but then every month there'll be a journalist on Twitter who'll say Leeds are looking for the head coach. Well, um, I asked him at the members' evening. I had about a 10 minute chat with him um, at the members' evening, and I said to him, I said, What's going on next season? Are you moving upstairs? And put him on the spot a bit. Um, and he, he, he said, um, It's still not set for next year. We'll, we'll have to wait and see. Really? Well, they'll be in the season review. Well, they'll be in the season review period now. What yeah, yeah. Barry Everton kept talking about. So, I fancy there will be a decision soon. that's going to happen. My gut instinct is we're thinking about you know moving him upstairs, but I don't but think, I think it will just yet. They will I don't think there's the person available that they want to bring. Exactly, in. that's what as, I think the thing is. I, I think as soon as that person becomes available, I think they'll. I think he will move upstairs. It could even be mid-season, not yeah. necessarily that he does a bad job, but it could be, like you mentioned, Cameron might not want to do the job. Um, and it, the player recruitment side does excite him because that's, again, what he was saying to me, like he enjoys that side of um, not necessarily being involved in the day-to-day and doing the scouting and the recruitment and and all that. So, you know, we'll have to wait and see. I think you're spot on there because I look around at the coaches available at the minute and I'm not sure that any of them fit exactly what we need at this point in time. So you, you might be you might have hit the nail on the head there. The idea is that that will happen. It's just finding the, the last jigsaw piece to go in. Mm. And right now, he'll, AR will just hold those pieces together. In place. The last, the last head coach we were linked with, I think it was John Davidson, the journalist, said that, We'd spoken to Ryan Carr. You might remember him. He was a yeah assistant at Leeds. But Peter Smith from the Evening Post shot that rumor down, <laughs> and I think someone else Matt Shaw did as well. Matt Shaw within about <laughs> twenty-five minutes. Would Would Ryan Carr be someone? Would he excite you if he did take over, Mark? Someone like Ryan Carr? Yeah, definitely. Mm. I think um, they really liked him when he was at Feverston. Uh, that made Leeds to step up and take a look at him. Uh, they really, really tried hard to get him to stay. Mm. But uh, at that moment in time, it wasn't convenient for him or his family. Like, he was touted as to be joining Tigers staff, but that's fallen through. So it seems that he may be available again. And um, the, the, the thing is, um, no disrespect to Peter Smith, I've met him a lot of times over the years, he's a really, really nice bloke, loves the sport and he loves Leeds, but he's just an extension of everything's mouthpiece. So if he tells you it's raining, you go outside and you check every time. Yeah. Because he'll, he'll tell you whatever everything tells him to tell you. Yeah. Um, Matt Shaw, he seems like a pretty decent lad online, but even even with his predictions and signings and companies are going there 50-50. So... It's, it's all up in there. I mean, for me, the fact that we turned down Seabold and Flanagan turned down us, it shows that we're actively looking. Definitely. So it, it's not a question of if, it's a question of when and who. I think so. So I think 
If it's Ryan Carr, then, then fine. Hopefully, long stays. I wouldn't be adverse to see uh, Wardy coming on board either. Danny Ward yeah, is an assistant. Mm-hmm. He's got a lot, a lot of good things at London, but not as head coach, but as, as one of assistants. Mm-hmm. And uh, the other thing I know that we haven't even spoke about yet is our conditioning department. I think that should be demolished and started again from scratch. Get rid of that and start again. Oh man, I don't, I don't know how you can do it. How many times under McDermott do we have eight, nine, ten players out? Who had the conditioning? Jason Davidson. Davidson. Who's had it conditioning at the moment again? Jason <laughs> Davidson. Jason Davidson. I just, no, I just, I, I don't know what they're doing. I don't know if he kicks a black cat on his way to work every day, but that department <laughs> needs dismantling and starting again. <laughs> you, you've actually mentioned that before on here, haven't you? About yeah, um, because conditioning I, I don't a player can be saying, right, he's out for two weeks, and you don't see him for six months. <laughs> it is interesting, With no isn't updates. it? It is <laughs> interesting. Like, what it's interesting, isn't it? The most successful club in Super League at the minute is St. Ellen's. Now, you can call it luck if you want, that they don't seem to get that many injuries, do they? Exactly, exactly. Mm-hmm. But is it all, or is it something else? But the other it, thing I'll say, under McDermott, how many times did we see players in warm-up and you could see they weren't fit? They were jammed yeah. up to nines. I mean, Delaney looked like Mr. Bump half at time. <laughs> he, Delaney rugby. He's playing Jamie Jones with no hips and no knees. Carl yeah. Ablett can't see or move his arms above his head. I remember in... Carl Watkins on wing with, with, a, with a ACL ripped to shreds. I remember in 2013, we, it at the end of the season, we played Wigan in the semi-final, and it yeah. wasn't like walking wounded. It were everyone playing were just like being held together by tape, pretty much. Oh, again, he would, he would, he would, Davison were McDermott's right hand man. The only time for me you play less than 80 percent is in a big semi-final or a big final. Yeah. But live, I don't know. I don't know what's going on. I just want it. I, I just you know that fresh start, that freshness about it. Mm. Someone different, do something different in your warm ups, your routines. You know, and because the injuries, it, like you said, you can't just call it luck. They've got to be doing something right. Mm. They have to to keep all. Catalans the uh... same as well. Catalans the same. What do you think, Duncan? Do you think Ryan Carr would be someone that? Would excite you should he come? Yeah, in? they normally yeah. go for someone that's been in the system and knows the club, don't they? That's sort of a mm. bit of a remit for them. Um, yeah, we will see. It wouldn't necessarily excite me, but it'd be um, it's a young coach, a relatively young coach, bringing new ideas. I won't be against him against him coming in. Gary Everton needs to put his 2004 hat on, doesn't he? Because he made a yeah. big, bold move. That's where move. we are. That's where we are. Yeah, it, uh, you're probably right. He made a big, bold move, didn't he, going into 2004, that yeah. Tony Smith, who relatively unproven at Huddersfield, was the right man to come in, move Powell. In, funnily enough, didn't he become the director of rugby like Agar might? Um, obviously, he didn't stay because he decided it wasn't for him. Um, and it just everything clicked around that one appointment. The building yeah. blocks were there and Smith just changed. got everything ticking. Yeah, changed everything. Changed um, everything. So we, it, everyone needs to put that 2004 hat on again and find the, the coach who will do that if, they're, if, if that person is available. Might be Ryan Carr. Should appoint me. I'd, I'd do it. 
I'd do it for naught, mate. Nothing. I'd be in that building seven minutes. I won't be most popular. <laughs> There'd be a lot of P45s, I tell you that. Yeah, Mark will be getting rid of Davidson, Thompson, Dwyer, Gale, Donaldson. Briscoe. Roberts. Roberts. What's he doing yeah, wrong? They'd all be gone. Get rid of them all. No one else left it building. Just on 2022, while we're vaguely talking on it, what do you think of the new home shirt, Cameron? Oh, I love it. I Me absolutely too. love it. Mm. I uh, ordered it. I were at work when it came out, but I knew it would come. Oh, have you got out. it? Have you bought it? Yeah, I got it, but oh. I also paid for express delivery, so I literally got it the day after it came out. What's it like? It's it is really good. It's almost better in person than it is on 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 the shirts. I wear it whenever I can, really. So it goes. In, I wear it. It goes in wash, and then as soon as it's out of wash, it's back on again. Straight back on again. I, I just it's one of the best shirts I've had in ages. Yeah, I just love how I love a I love a kit where we go back to the traditional roots. You know, with the three amber stripes. And the colours for me, I think, really spring. And obviously, the de- the decision to put the sevens woven into the three amber, yeah, amber really stripes, it. it's not, you know, too in your face. So, you might, you know, might not Quite notice subtle. it. Yeah. It's, it's the subtlety and it's nice. And it's like, it almost says, you know, Rob Burrow is woven forever into the blue and amber of this club, Absolutely. which I quite like. What do you think of it, Duncan? Are you a fan of it? Yeah, I, I agree. Um, and I think the the main thing now is the is the touch to Rob Burrow for me as well. Mm. I, I think, think that that's forever now. Um, I think the only time we could possibly move away from putting him on the shirt is when the statue goes up. Oh yeah, keep forgetting about that as well. Um, but yeah, no, I really like it. Need to win something in it just to make sure it has that extra special memory to it. Yeah, yeah so yeah. it's always remembered as the shirt, you know, that's the grand final winning shirt or whatever. Okay. Yeah. What do you think of it, Mark? You're a fan of this year's? Yeah, this I love year's... it, mate. I'm an, I'm an old-fat traditionalist when it comes to club colours and club shirts. I love it. The only thing it's missing for me is the... I'd like is to incorporate the old badge, you know, with the two owls and the scales. I'd yeah. like that on the right-hand side as a part. That'd be nice. You know the old and the new. I, I love that badge. You know, as a as a traditional lawyer, that's that's our our city crest. And don't get me wrong, I love bit of rhino. If we put that on right hand side, just above it, where that berries is at the moment, then it'd be absolutely perfect. But yeah, like uh, like the other lad said, I think that touch to Rob Burrow. I think it has to stay. I think it has to be a permanent fixture. Yeah, I do. Because yeah. I, I think people now are just realizing not just what's befallen him and his family, but how good he was in an absolutely outstanding once-in-a-lifetime generation of a team. Of a team, yeah. And, you know, he, he, he epitomised the art of that team because if you go back to 15, uh, uh, sorry, or 07, when the, you know, they started moving him then from 7 to 9 and he was like, we didn't want to play that. Mm-hmm. And then he, but he did it anyway. And he, you know, he took all them bags for the team. He took more money down to go away, to move away because he wanted to stay play with his mates. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? He had every team in Super League chasing him. And then, you know, the, the look at the history of the fella, how good he was. And how, for me, he's, he's the hardest man in Super League here, bar none. Pound for pound, the, tough, the toughest bloke, bar none. But he was electric and skillful and humble with it as well. 
I think yeah, all I of presume, it. I presume you've read his bookmark. I haven't got it yet, mate. No. Oh, well, my wife's getting me it for my birthday. It's funny you say that because a lot of what you say really comes through in the book. Yeah, certainly. Yeah. And it almost made me, I, I, I'm, I'm reading it at the minute and I just, I'm sort of towards the end about his retirement. And it almost, it made me really sad in a way. I'm so happy we had Rob and so happy that he had the career that he did because I wouldn't change a thing. But yeah. like hearing what he has to say about being forced to play Ucker and he didn't, mo you know, he still did it and he still did it. Chuffing good job, especially in yeah. 2011. But yeah. I just, I wonder sometimes, you know, what, you know, would he have, would he have been happier? Would we maybe have been just as successful and him been happier if, if we'd have just stuck with Danny and Robbie as six and seven and Kev at third? We'll never know. But like he says at the end, well, I, I hope you don't mind spoilers, Mark. No, no, no. He says in the chapter when he's on about retirement that one of the reasons he retires is he just couldn't, could not keep playing as a hooker. Mm. And he, he seems yeah. to imply that he might have played a little bit longer if he were playing scrum half. And I was I read that and was just like, oh, can you imagine? I mean, it might yeah, not be yeah. a fairy tale ending in 2018 and 2019 that he got in 2017. But what I'd give right now to have to have had two more years or one more year of Robbie, you know, I'd give my right arm for that. So yeah. it, it really made me sad. It's reading that and it's just like I just you know I just wish he could have been. Yeah, well, you touch on that there. Danny Mags went to Hull KR, didn't he? Left us. Yeah, came back. That was a mistake as well. Came back yeah, well. to came back to Headingley and destroyed us. Smacked us on ass, didn't it? Big time. I'm thinking, what, what? I mean, I think Danny Maguire is the best player in, in the history of the game ever. And I'll, I'll, that's a hill I'll, I'll die on. But I just think we let him go too too soon on a similar. I still think now that we should have him back at Leeds coaching our halfbacks. But... Hey, well, yeah, we'll look at uh, that Mikey Lewis and Abdul, yeah. what job he's doing with them. Look at them. I'd like to see Mikey Lewis and Rowan Milnes in their lead shirt one day, but who knows. Maybe. Maybe. I think you just uh, touch... Young yeah, Jackson on, still might have something to say about that. <laughs> yeah. The king is dead. Long live the king, eh? <laughs> yeah. He'll return and take us to glory. You touched on the badge there, Mark. Yeah. Do you think it's time? Do you think it's time Leeds revamped their badge? There's been quite a few in Super League recently. Um, uh, you know, someone, it, it, the only thing, like I said, the two adjustments on it, I'd definitely bring have the lawyers, the traditional lawyers' coat of arms back above the right hand side of the chest, mm. top right hand side of the chest. If you're going to make a change to the actual rhino itself, then just just make it more a bit more sharper, a bit more, you know, intimidating. Yeah. But other than that, I have no problem with it, mate. What do I you mean, think? We, we change your shirts every year. You don't know, change it crest as well. <laughs> I'm not too. I'm not too fussed. To be fair, <laughs> um, I do think I, I agree with Matt. I just think it needs just bringing into the twenty. You know what I mean? It just needs yeah, tweaking I, ever so slightly. Just think I it think, looks a bit dated. I think there's more things to do with the game that we could be. I mean, that's for another podcast. But there's more things we could be doing with the game than sharpening badges up. Mm. Cameron, what do you think? If it ain't broke, don't fix it. Um, I fear, I live in fear every every time this is mentioned of what it could end up looking like, because you could get it really, really wrong. And I've seen yeah. you know, seen other clubs 
not just in rugby league. But well, like, do you remember that Leeds United badge? I was going oh, to say, don't tell me. Don't mention Yeah, I'm a, I don't know. I know Duncan's. I know Duncan's a Palace fan, but I'm a Leeds fan, and that that so, badge is. Yeah, that badge is. I mean. I were at sixth form at the time, and even people who did not care at all about football were looking at it going, this is naff, this. And, you know, especially with it being a rhino, you know, you could you could do a lot wrong with, with it. Yeah. But I just, I don't ever want to see it change. Just please do not change it. <laughs> just keep fun. it as it is. And if you change it, there's a good chance it'll look stupid. <laughs> yeah. And if it's like, I know that new, I think it was Wigan when they got their new one. There were a lot of, uh, quite a backlash about that, but I think it was Chris Radlins who just came out and said, that's it, I've changed it, and you just got to live with it. And you're walking around on alt shirts and everything covered in that. So that's pretty much the men's team wrapped up in an hour and a half. Good God, got through that. Um, we'll move on to the wheelchair side. Um, just to start, has anyone seen a game of wheelchair rugby league? Yes, mate. Yeah. What an incredible sport that is. You talk about a brutal sport. Just anyone who's listening to this now, if you've never seen wheelchair rugby league, you need to do your center favor. Just go onto YouTube, just type it in and check it out. It is fantastic. I know the BBC and Sky have picking up games now and so you keep an eye out on there did you watch the final then Mark I did mate yeah I loved it from minute one I actually yeah. found myself really emotional at the end when um, that captain that Max Simpson were giving his um, interview so what I yeah, did he got know, emotional I, himself didn't he yeah yeah, yeah. and he got me a bit and all because obviously he's got a military history I were in military but um, they went for nearly, nearly, nearly two years without winning a game Mm. But week in, week out, day after day after work, they were turning up to train and get better mm. and better and better. And this year we did treble. And so, like, mm. some of them tries and how they would do I mean, God. Oh, incredible. It's just, it's, it's unbelievable. Because you look at it and you think, okay, it's going to be a down, water down. So I, before that, I'd, see, I'd seen uh, wheelchair basketball. Mm. And you think, all right, okay. But when you see this, this is a different level. I mean, these fellas, I mean, they play mixed as well. So there's women on there and older fellas, younger fellas. I was amazed by the skill level and the sheer commitment. I was so, so, so proud of them and all at end. But I think in, in, in general, that sport, that side of the rugby league needs more coverage, more sponsorship, more yeah. exposure. Because I honestly, okay, if it hadn't been Leeds playing, I might not have watched it. But whoever's on now, if it's on TV, I'm going to watch it because it's such a good sport. Yeah. And there's no better time to get into the sport as a Leeds fan because, as you say, Leeds are champions. So if you, if exactly. you are going to get involved yeah, now. We're doing, we're doing so well. And, you know, I mean, you can see they're as proud, if not prouder, wearing that shirt than any first team player. Oh, absolutely. So. Absolutely. And they're, they're representing that shirt. They're representing, exactly we do. They're representing the Rhinos just as yeah. much. As they spend a, their own money on, the, on the chairs and the repairs yep. and everything as well. God, unbelievable. And I think it were, it might have been, I think it that interview, yeah, I think it was, the one you mentioned where he was going through the injuries that the players had, just trying yeah. to get through that game. Yeah, and he only had one sub. One sub. <laughs> I, think he said, I think he said to one of the players that they'd gone off injured and they were like, you're going to have to come back on. We have to see yeah. this now. 
It was that kid with beard, wasn't it, when he popped his elbow for uh, scoring oh, that bank yeah. corner? He said, yeah, I'll need you for another 10 minutes. <laughs> you need to come back on with no one left. Did uh, Cameron Duncan, did uh, did you watch the game? Are you a fan of wheelchair rugby league? I watched the highlights. Um, mm. I'm going to watch it more, but I'd be lying if I... If I said I watched lots of it, but yeah, no, I did watch the I did watch the final, and I thought he'd give a good interview at that at the members' evening I went to. He was there, Simpson. Yeah, yeah. He gave a really good interview there. He seems to be getting a lot of coverage on. He's been on Sky a couple of times too. Yeah, he's a good analyst. And he's a, yeah, he's a good analyst. He's a good pundit. So obviously, the Sky are, uh, incorporating the wheelchair. Rugby he's league. a good spokesperson for the game of rugby league. Oh, absolutely, at he's, all levels, and I think. I think he's aware of that, and that's a good thing. That is sort of because it's a good thing because he is captain of the the champions. Yeah, and yeah. he's putting himself in the spotlight to try and with his, as Mark said, with his backstory and everything. It's a great story, and he's obviously trying to mark mark himself in the game by putting it on the spotlight by appearing on on Sky. I think it's those stories that as well that make add oh, to that remarkable stories, yeah. You know, yeah. add to that um version of rugby league. It makes it um, more heartwarming to see. Plus it's just hell of a hell of a hell for leather game, isn't it? I love how they kick. I've always found that awesome. You know, <laughs> yeah, the, yeah. Uh, drop it onto the fist kind of thing. I think that's so such a cool idea. And here yeah, maybe I'd decent, maybe I'd have been a decent kicker because I could never <laughs> When I when I used to play, well, you know, but yeah, they they probably couldn't. They're probably ten to well a hundred thousand times better than I could ever be at that spot. And credit to them, they're brilliant. And you know, I'm so you know they should be really proud of what they accomplished this year. And but um, before, because I think they won it. Um, well, they won quite a lot of silverware the season before, didn't they? As well, so should be really proud. And I bet they are. So good on them. Yeah, and I'm proud of them too. And I think yeah. um, that it's a, it's a really, it feels like a sport that's growing rather fast. I think you know, seeing uh, Simpson on 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 telly and getting the games on the BBC and Sky, I think that's a it's a really growing sport. Talking of growing sports, I don't think there's a sport. I think the women's game at the moment is growing and doing more for the game than the men's side of things. The mm. Record crowd at the at Headingley for the grand final. Did anyone go to that? I was working, mate, by recording. I was working. Uh, I was licking my wounds after we'd lot just um, after <laughs> what there was. It was the day after. I was so I, I went to the grand final, the men's grand final. So I was licking my wounds, seeing Saints lift three in a row. As, uh, <laughs> I couldn't stomach the sight of a rugby ball. Yeah, well, it was obviously Leeds got there. The lost. St. Helens in, in the in the grand final. There was a record, record excuse me, record breaking crowd there. Full coverage on Sky. This seems to be would, would anyone agree that this sport seems to be growing faster than the the men's game seems a bit stale, whereas the women's yeah, game is because for the for the simple reason, um for me, it's fresh. Uh, a lot of the pundits that are involved with it know what they're talking about. Mm. And the, the, the women's side of the game, for me, they've still got that old school because it's part-time. So, yeah. for me, it tends to, no matter what the score is, it tends to mean just a little bit more, if that makes sense. So, yeah. rather than give it up after an hour, they'll keep going until the 80th minute. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. um, 
I, I love to see the skill. I love to see the determination. And again, just like the wheelchair uh, people, uh, lot, they don't hold back. They, they'll get stuck in and they'll rip you apart. And I, th I think we've got some great young kids and all. Another thing with Leeds team, uh, Saints have as well, Saints won this year, but before COVID, Saints, uh, Leeds did the treble. Yep, again. So you know, we've got some great players. A young fullback called Caitlin Beavers. She's amazing. Made a big signing today as well, didn't they? Yeah, we've got Georgie Roach from Cass, and we've got uh, a young lass called Frank Goldfall, who plays winger or centre. She's huge. And we've got a woman's coach now as well. It used to be cooked yeah. for Adam Cooper's and Caution for a couple of years, but now uh, Louise Forsell uh, took Louise over. Forsell. She's doing a good job. Former player. Really, really yeah. good. I t uh, I, I'd like, also like to give a shout out here to the Gibbons twins as well. Who are yeah, yeah. They're in there, yeah. I used to uh, play with Anthony Gibbons, um, lad. We used to play for the same team together, and I've got I've not got enough nice things to say about Anthony. He's a lovely fella, so yeah. I love I love seeing him involved, and he'll he, he used to coach me, so he was a really good coach. So I just you know I like to see him. I'll say one thing. I, I think it's really sad that uh, the 2020 season of women's Super got League got washed out. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. if you look at Saints. You know, they're sort of at their peak where, you know, we won the double, didn't we, in 2019? Yeah. So we're sort of coming down. We'd have still been at our peak in 2020 and Saints yeah. would have been coming up. Can you imagine that rivalry? That yeah. would have been an insane. And you throw Cass in there because they'd been really good in 2019 as well. That could have been a really awesome rivalry. Hopefully, though, we'll start picking back up again. Like, you know, signing with me yeah. today, and like, we, like Max just said, lots of good young players. So hopefully we can come back up and challenge Saints next year. But Salford have got a team, aren't they, as well? They've, they've yeah, just Salford have just failed. So the league's growing. So, I mean, yeah. it feels like a sport that's just really pushing through and, and, and going to the next level. Do you think, well, I think that double headers. I think so. That should be, so. It should be something we could if seriously it, consider. Yeah, if it's... I, I actually think Sorry, Everyone I, I think that would be a disservice to him. Um, maybe as as know, a double header, double headline. What I mean, what so? I mean, what I, I mean, get what you mean. I, I think it. I think it takes away from that. Yes, they play in front of bigger crowds, but it almost takes away from. They are a standalone competition. I see what you mean. Yeah, mm. and I think for me, the curtain raiser before a game has always been like academy. the under 18s the academy yeah. lads, or reserve. Um, and I just I think with the women's side, yes, I think the odds are like what I think they should do is a women in league round when maybe absolutely Definitely. before that before that game every every Super League game before every Super League game you play a women's game. Yeah, I but think just boy just before yeah. that round, and then I think they should Leeds should look at throwing something in with the season tickets of what could you do to maybe get more people go into yeah. the women's games. I think that would be more beneficial to them than... Um, not saying that they, once in a while, but I think like for it to become a regular thing, I think that's doing them a disservice. Yeah, I, I agree with you there. I think once, once or twice a season, just to get people going, oh, you know, I really enjoy this. You know, have a taster. Then they're hooked and they'll go back and see, see it again. Mark's just it clearly didn't like what I was saying, Mark. He's just gone. Mark's but yeah, <laughs> carry on. But, uh, but yeah, I like the idea of doing it once because you know normal fans are cut, especially if it were like a big game. You know, Le Leeds Wigan or a Leeds Saints. You know, Edinley packed out. 
do a women's game before that, you know, lead Saints, you know, women's, get people yeah. watching it, and then they might go, oh, that was a great game. I want to see the next one. And yeah. then, they'll, the then they'll go out and see the next one. So I like that idea, Dunk, especially the women in league round, because the NRL do that brilliantly. Yeah. I say the NRL do that so well. I think Dunk has mentioned that once or twice in it as well, that we definitely need to, to to bring something like that into our game. I agree with that. So just to wrap things up, um, I asked for some questions from the Lot17 Twitter account. And, uh, we've got quite a question. Rattle through these. I'll start with, I've got a question from Drew. He asked, Myla or Walker next year, and how many times does the Truth Talking Mav tweet about Leeds daily? Well, tweets about Leeds on average. Last time I counted, it was about 926,000 times a day he tweets about obsessed. So, Mark, I think you've answered this question earlier. Walker for you next year? Yeah, Walker starts if, if he's fit. Duncan, Same. Walker. Yeah. And Cameron, Myla. Uh, one thing I, I meant to say this earlier, actually, and it's a point my dad made, so he'll be when he listens to this, he'll be glad I mentioned it. <laughs> to get him on. He, 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 pro- he probably won't do a bad job, bless him. Um, but he made an interesting point, and it sort of feeds into, I think, what Duncan was saying earlier about what Walker brings as a fullback. You know, he's stronger um, defensively under the high ball, kick returns. He's, you know, ticks more of the natural fullback roles. Yeah. My dad suggested that the arrival of Caesar and also the arrival of Austin means that there's more creativity in the halves, better distribution in the halves. So it's there's less pressure on the fullback to be able to have that good pair of hands. They can be, start becoming a more free attacking spirit. So yeah. he's that because you've got a Caesar whose passing game is, you know, superb. You don't really, maybe you don't need Myler's passing game as much, so you can get Walker running at defenses a little bit more. So I think that's an interesting thing to consider. I do think we'll start with Myler, and I think Myler deserves it on the basis of the last two years. Mm-hmm. And I want to see Walker be, you know, I just want to see Walker just really want that number one shirt back. And I think if he goes about it the right way, we'll see the very best of Jack Walker and then hopefully he'll kick on from there and have a really great career because to me, he should still be the lead fullback at least for the next five years, if not ten. Just on back of that, Cameron, when you're on about um, Austin and Caesar particularly being better halfbacks, I think if you put Smith at starting at 13, you've got that extra link as well. Yeah, that's, that's um, another good point. I think Priors, well, maybe not towards the end of last season, but Certainly, mid-season, I, I really liked what Pry was doing as the first receiver, giving yeah. his attack real width. And I think when he got injured, or certainly started to get, I think he's running out of steam at the end of the yeah. season. He played about a million. He played about ten games in exactly. Days played for all stars, everything. Yeah, really. I think we started to lose that a little bit, and I think that's where his attack started. Oh, shattered him. Like Mark to, said, how was it thirty-five? It's 34, nearly 35. Yeah, been knackered. Um, his attack started to slow down when he were getting tired, but Smith can do that role. You know who else can do that role? And I think this is why he's a good squad player. Jared O'Connor, you know, probably he's, yeah. he's not going to be in your starting 17, but if you need that squad rotation or if you've got a few injuries, yeah. he will do that. And he has got a good pair of hands. 
So I uh, I got a lot of time for Jared O'Connor because I think he works hard and he, he brings that part of the game, which I think you can't have enough forwards yeah. who can pass the ball, especially in modern rugby. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Uh, Zach asks, with the new signings coming in, what is our strongest start in 13 and bench for 2022? We touched on that uh, earlier, so we've answered that one. Also, what is the best solution to the Gale, Caesar and Austin problem? I think... I think we're all in agreement that Austin Caesar. Does anyone did anyone disagree with that? I mean, I like I like Gale, and I thought it was brilliant in 2020, and I still think that player is in him, and I'd love to see that player again in 2022. And who knows then? Um, I I'm not willing to put. I don't really want to commit to any answer here. I just want them all three to be brilliant and fight for the shirts. There's three of them. That that strength in depth is yeah. There's three of them, two shirts, play your best, you'll get your shirt. And somewhere in that, we should stumble across the ideal halfback pairing. And let's let's not forget Caesar and Gale do get their injuries. Austin is a little bit more robust, I think, injury-wise. So, again, you know, we're probably likely to see every possible combination of the three anyway. I've got a spot on throat works there, mate. I don't think Gale will be here, mate. I think he's going. And yeah, I'll I tell you why. I think I think Caesar and Austin will click pre-season because they just know each other. And also that little fallout last uh, earlier on in the year when we really needed him to step up as the captain, he took his bat and ball over and walked out of training. For me, I think I think his his fate was sealed then. I do. It was for me. It was for me at that point. Then I just thought, let's just. Um... Let's just Let's move on. The problem the you face, I... the problem you face there is because he's got one year left in his contract. Someone's probably going to have to pay a fee to get him out. Um, I've heard I don't all think the they'll camp. I think there'll be a, a mutual release, mate. I think there'll be a mutual release. It would be best for both parties because for 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 certainty, he's going to sit and wait for his chance. He won't sit on bench or be 18th man. I think he'll keep the seven shirt, though, and I think he'll be trusted to start the opening game of the season. So I could see him leaving mid-season, potentially, if things don't go the way he wants. But I I, I want him to stay because who, who else in the league can say they've got three halfbacks of those three players' calibre? I'd argue nobody. Um, and I think that's a really big positive for Leeds. And but like if like he might want to move on because he might I think um, I just think he'll get a two year deal. Yeah, exactly. Right? He might he might get a longer term deal yeah, somewhere else. Whether it's Wakey or Hulkear or but I don't think he'll get offered a longer term deal. I'd be I'd, I'd personally be surprised if he wasn't here in the op- for the opening round. Mm. Then the season and how he plays and how other players will play will then determine what happens next in his career. Yeah. Uh Daniel asks where does Mi- where, excuse me? Where does Richie Myler fit in this team moving forward? We touched on it a little bit earlier in the pod, Duncan. What do you think? Do you think you're, you're uh, the- he takes the fourteen? He takes the fourteen shirt in my team. Yeah. Don't play Mucker. He hates it. No, well, I, I won't play Mucker because I don't think you need to. But um, just that I think utility value off the It bench. gives the utility value. I always think it's good to have someone that can cover across the back line. Yeah, me too. Um, 
on the bench, and I think Lehman's capable enough of doing 80 minutes. 80. Um, so that's where he'd fit for me. What do you think, Mark? For me, don't get in my 17, but what I will say to you, and as he's proved, he's got the one of the best attitudes, yeah. and he's proved he can cover two, three positions. So I won't, I won't be quick to release him because I think Gale will go, and that gives him another chance at backup half as well, you know, just as a backup. But you don't get in my 17, no, but I think he'll stay. And obviously, Cameron thinks he's uh, going to start at, at, at fullback. And again, I don't think I don't, it would surprise me if that happened. It's just my mm. opinion. If Walker's fit, he starts. Get him in. Well, we'll see. We'll see what happens. It's just a, it's, it's the same situation as Gail Caesar and Austin for me. Is you've got two really good fullbacks there. Just let them fire out, and whoever has the better season will, you know, ultimately get that role for the whole for, for the majority of the season if we get into big games and big you know into finals it'll be their job to play fullback and it's up to Richie to try and prove that he'll be the fullback and it's up to Jack Walker to prove that he'll be the fullback god forbid Richie ends up back in the arse because we have another injury crisis <laughs> I think if he's alongside Caesar or Austin it won't be as bad I think the mistake we made other year when we brought him in as, as the sole halfback, there was just too much pressure on him. Yeah, I agree with that. I He's not we an organiser. Yeah, I think oh, exactly what I'm going to say. I think we were asking him to do a job that when he was at his best at Warrington it was always on the outside of Lee Breeze who did all the organising and he was the flair player. Same at Catalan outside Luke Walsh. And yeah, for some reason, we decided... Oh, we'll, we'll play you as the organiser, even though you've never done it before. Good luck. <laughs> and then we all complained when it went wrong. Um, DP Whetstone asks, why are there persistent rumours around Richard Agar and his job? Is our recruitment up to standard? Can we challenge for trophies realistically? There's a lot of questions here. Which young academy players should be playing in the first team next season? Well, Mark's touched on a couple that he thinks could be... Um, on the verges of some some game time over the next 12 to 18 months. Why do you think there are persistent rumours around Agar, Duncan? Do you think there's something... I think, as, we, as we've touched on before, I don't actually mm-hmm. think he wanted to do the, the full-time coaching role, and that's what yeah. he want brought in to do. Um, and I think the rumours almost come from him. Yeah. In the way that he talks about the job. Um, mm. And I think he's almost more suited to doing the director of rugby role. I love um, it. I love like, having. Sorry, Duncan, go on. No, no. And like I said before, like I said before, when we were talking about it, I think once that right person becomes available that wants to coach, I think he will move upstairs. Mm. Cameron, I, I like I, what I was going to say is I like having him at the club, and I think him alongside Kev really helped build that culture. That yeah, as really helps us because exactly. I think there's a lot of guts in our team now. And they, you know, they, you know, they're willing to work hard for each other, which I think's sometimes half the battle. So I, I well, would, I mean, he is staying at Leeds, isn't he? Because he, they confirmed ages ago that he would still be at Leeds in some capacity some next capacity. year. Yeah. So I'm glad he's still at the club because I think he does, he does bring that culture. It's just a case of what does he do at the club next year? And I think Duncan said it earlier. It might be a case that he starts the year as head coach. But the the person who fits the profile that we need appears mid-season. And we just go, all right, here we go. 
it's Tony Smith point two point oh, hopefully. <laughs> hopefully. Um Adam's asked, there's lots of competition in the back row next season. Who gets the eleven and twelve jersey for you guys? And also, where does Morgan Gannon fit into this lead side in 2022? Uh, we, we've all decided previously in the podcast uh, 11 and 12 for the season, but we haven't really spoke about this wonder kid, Morgan Gannon, Duncan. Where does he where does he fit in this lead side for 2022, do you think? I think his role steps on next year. I think he's a, he's a mainstay of the 17. Mm. Um, I think he gets a squad a share in the top 20. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think he, he slots into the bench and becomes an impact player for us off the bench and then any injury to Bentley or Martin I think he steps into their shoes Did anyone watch the England Knights game on Friday? I didn't know Because he, yeah. um, he he came off the bench and do you know where he played? Played at loose forward and I thought he looked really good there He did, he looked alright Yeah, and I think I certainly... I don't know where I would prefer to see him long-term, second row or or loose forward. Because I like how, I think he could be a dangerous further out wide because he's a strong runner of the ball. And I think if you get him one-on-one with a half-back, he could bully him. But I think think what you've got to do is, if if there's an injury in the pack, he should be the first name to come in for me. So I don't think he, I, I don't think he's in my starting seventeen for next season, but he's he's sort of like the eighteenth man. He should be in it every time he's fit. He should be in the twenty-one man squad for the game, and I mean, he, by the end of the, it's uh, back to the old argument. By the end of next season, he he could very well have established himself as in that first choice seventeen because he's that good and he could be that good. Uh, but I'm I'm really looking forward to seeing where he goes from here. What do you I'll think, Mark? Morgan Gannon for next year. Is it our seventeen most weeks? Um, given his age, I would take him out every now and again. Just yeah. in smaller games when you're playing like Salford or you know, what at smaller teams or what at games that aren't as big, just every now and again, just to rest him up. Mm-hmm. And for me, he's 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 on the bench. Like Doug says, if uh, Bentley or Martin are injured, he comes in and he starts. But yeah. he's definitely that seventeen every week. Um, apart from when we're managing his minutes, you know, take him out for a game here and there. If, if we if we if we draw, you know, like a division two or three team in cup, then rest cool. him then. Mm-hmm. Rotate someone else like Sam Walters into his spot. You know what I mean? Get him games. But yeah, for me, he's in first choice seventeen every game. Every game that we need him to be. I think it's spot on there that you need to manage his minutes because I think we've seen in the past Just that we failed. Yeah. We failed yeah. to manage minutes for players. Stevie Ward. Was a great second young second rower, similar age. He was one year older than Gannon when he came in. He was eighteen, and we we just we worked him too hard, and it, it, he started picking up. So I think it's vitally important that we manage his minutes. We don't want we don't want him to his career to be over before it's even started. So it is important that we we just nurture him. We play him when yeah. we when we need to play him. And we let him rest and recuperate. Because also as a learning, there's opportunities to learn. I think I was once read, read an interview with Jurgen Klopp about the young Liverpool players, Harvey Elliott and Curtis Jones, and he was saying after they've had a long run in the team, sometimes he thinks it's good to take them out just so they can sit and go and reflect on everything that they've just experienced and really take the lessons from it. And I think sometimes that's true 
of young players in rugby league as well is you let them play loads of games, but take them out and just let them go. All right, I, I, I did this, this and this. I need to learn from this. And yeah. I think it's a testament to Morgan Gannon that all of us there, each one of us have spoken about him as a first team player already. That is, that is incredibly young age. The talent that he has already. It's that old mantra, though, isn't it? If you're good enough, you're yeah. old enough. Yeah, absolutely. And he speaks well. I don't know if anyone saw his interview ahead of the England Knights game with, um, with BBC Radio. He spoke properly, proper well. I think as well, All I mean, we were all talking about Levi Edwards in 2020 because he was a 16-year-old who appeared in a few 21-man squads, you know, when we were playing Catalan with a bunch of yeah. kids. He never played. But... To be alongside someone as exciting as Levi Edwards and to be the same age as him, and then to sort of make your debut before that person, before yeah, and and establish yourself. Despite, I mean, Levi Edwards is going to be really, really, really good, and it, we should be excited about him as well. But to to be better than Levi Edwards and get us even more excited about himself, that takes some doing. So I think that should be scary for other teams in Super League if all goes well and he does fulfil his potential. Absolutely. Just imagine how good he'll be in, in five years. And the last question is from Sarah. And she asks, it's about our new star man. How many tries do you all think David Fusitua will score this season? Who wants to answer that first? How many 20. tries? 20, 20 tries, 20 Duncan. 20 plus. What do you think, guys? Mark? If he stays injury-free. Yeah. Yeah, that's the big one. If, if he stays injury-free, he'll be at 30, Mark. I think so. Good. Question. Oh, he's that good. I'm going to I'm going to say... Oh, go on. 28 tries, just under 30. What were you saying, Cameron? I've got a question. Which wing would you play him on? We're giving him the number two shirt, I think, is everybody. But does he play on the right or do you play him on the left? Because notoriously, rugby league teams attack, especially Leeds historically, attack more down the left yeah. because it's easier for most players to pass from right to left because they're right-handed, okay. so it's easier. So do you put him on the left and maybe try and get him more of the ball? Or do no, you, you put him outside Newman? You put, you put him on his position right wing. And then you've got Caesar and uh, Austin who can pro both provide for him because Austin can go go crossfield kick left or right easily. Mm. Um, sorry, Caesar. Caesar's mm. equally as I mean, remember when the beaters at Edley other year he kicked us to death. Yeah, I think he has to sit outside Newman. New Newman yeah. fussy Newman fussy tour is just the thing. The thing is as well with having with having Lehman at nine and not having Dwyer. Dwyer can't pass off his left hand. So if you watch Dwyer, half of the pitch is redundant. <laughs> Whereas if you've got Lehman in there um, and an actual halfback that sits on the right-hand side of the field that maybe Luke, now we've got two equal halfbacks, you're not mm. going to have a dominant player calling the shots. Mm. You're going to be able to use both sides of the field, which yeah. I don't think we've been able to do over the past couple of seasons. Oh, one, no one other thing, and all that's overlooked with Fusser Tua, he makes us so much stronger defensively from kicks. Because yeah. we've been hammered bad from kicking from kicks in the last two years. He mm. makes us, all of a sudden, he, he makes us 10, 20 times stronger on that and end. And as and, well. Yeah. Sorry, go on. And bringing the ball out from our own end. Yeah, definitely. Like against, against St. Helens, we got trapped in. And I think he's one strong carry. Hanley's a 10-metre carry as well. And I think then it gets you on the front foot then. Yeah, definitely. 
I would. I mean, I was just ask. I I think he should be on the right, and the thought of Caesar, someone like Caesar, Caesar Austin, or anybody, because they're all, all three halfbacks are really good, and then Newman and Fusatu are all on the same edge. That's that's really exciting, and Andley can score mm. tries for fun on the left as well. So we should have a. Whereas this year, I thought we could literally score either down the left or down the middle, and we would not score down the right next yeah. year. Like teams are going to have to be good across the board. Ideally, they should mm. have to be really good across the board to stop us scoring because we should have threat on the left, threat on the right, and threat down the middle. I think he'll score absolute bucket loads. He I should. do. I really, really do think he's going to set the whole league alight. I think he's going to be a superstar, something that we've missed probably since Ryan Hall, really, isn't it? Yeah. Probably since Hall. Another player that we probably should have kept older. <laughs> oh, sorry, signed. <laughs> Yeah, or brought him back. Can you imagine Ryan Hall and Fusser Tua on the wing? Wow. <laughs> that would be different. Yeah, two absolute beasts. No, no, I do. no discredit I to Ash Andley. I do like Andley, but... The yeah, idea, I do. Oh, yeah, it's quality. The idea of Fusser Tua and Ryan Hall on wing, that, that, that's some... Uh, <sighs> a champion player, Ryan Hall. And I'm yeah, saying. love him. And well, he talks well as well. He's really intelligent, just a nice player. Yeah. Yeah, he is. I do. I miss him. I can't believe that he went to the NRL and didn't even score. But they didn't really give him much of a chance. He got injured no. loads, and when he played, it, it he played seemed about like they six were games, didn't it? If yeah, that, and it was yeah. like they were allergic to passing it to him. Mm. I think I vaguely remember. Got off topic a bit here, but Charlie got one try, harshly disallowed, didn't he? That yeah, I think he did. Roosters. Well, gentlemen, I think we've wrapped everything up there. Looking forward to. 2022 and wrapping up everything 2021 I'd like to thank you all for your input not just tonight um, it's been a bumper podcast over two hours um, I enjoyed it really good chat yeah me too I always yeah. enjoy your company three um, definitely three top guests and um, you all take care and uh, the podcast will be back for 2022 and each and every one of you We'll be invited onto it again, should you feel you'd like to return for 2022? Absolutely. Same to you and your, all your families. All the best. Yeah. Then, yeah. Uh, let's start 2022 on fire. The year of the yeah, Rhino. Right. Yeah, the year of the Rhino. Grand final winners, eh? <laughs> <laughs> never say <laughs> never. Never, <laughs> never write off the Rhinos. That's right. Stranger things have happened. I've said that loads on this podcast, but it has. Stranger things have happened. What a bumper podcast over two hours. Thanks a lot, gentlemen. I really appreciate it. You take care. You Thank too. You more than welcome. Suck it easy, fellas. You Thanks as well. See you later. Bye -bye. See you in 2022. All right. And that's it. That's the Rhinos review of 2021 from the Lot Pod, from the Lot 17A podcast. Um, as always, I'd like to thank Mark, Duncan and Cameron, as I always do, all my guests. Three great guests again, some great discussions. I'd like to thank them for their appearances throughout the season because they made three. And um, they jumped in late, like late subs when, when they weren't, some of them, they weren't even scheduled to come on. And I was just scrambling around because other guests had just had work commitments and couldn't do it at the last minute. And they really helped me out. That's the reason they um, they got onto the uh, the podcast to get their hat-trick appearance. I'd like to thank them all. Some good work, some good debates. I'd like to thank all my guests. I've been really lucky. From the very first guest to the very last, everyone that I've had on, including Mav, has been um, really good, knowledgeable, funny, and created some good debates. 
This is the last Leeds Rhinos podcast. Obviously, season's over. Season's done with. No more Leeds Rhinos. This is the last one. The, uh, in terms of the lot pod match reviews, they'll start again at the start of the season, obviously. But there will be one more um, podcast from me, from my guests. A general rugby league podcast, nothing rhinos, just summing up the state of rugby league, touch on uh, the 2021 Super League season and pretty much like expansion, talk about expansion, relegation, what the game needs, some some ideas from my guests. I've got a couple lined up, so I'm going to thrash that out, get some ideas together, get some guests together for a general rugby league, talk about the World Cup debacle and maybe some NRL, things like that, just to... Um, kind of put a bow on this this rugby league season moving forward into 2022 i've rambled enough that's enough from me thanks a lot for listening and uh, i'll see you on the next podcast which will be a, a general rugby league one take care